the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, checking some things out here for the Riverdale 10. Let me uh, do something real fast. What are we here. checking out? I'm checking out uh, advanced sales uh, uh, so far for uh, Terminator 2 coming up on T2. July the 9th. And, it's, and I've been really pushing it. Uh, I'm trying to let uh, everybody know that you have to understand that when you see T3, which is coming up on uh, in November, that it is a direct sequel to T2. And it takes place 36 hours or 36 hours after the end of right from the end of T2. Dum, dum, dum. So you're going to want to come see T2. A lot of you have T2. never even seen T2 on the big screen. And that, that is, is a sad. shame. That's yeah. sad. And it's really a shame. So Get out there and get it done. Um, yeah, you need to be out there for this. I mean, this is one of those that I was really surprised that they were going to allow us to show. Doom, doom, doom. You know, so the uh, they are doing it. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Here the we go. Terminator's back. I'm checking it out here. It says, coming soon. And there's Terminator 2 with that great picture of uh, the Terminator on his. Uh, That's him. His motorcycle He's for there. Judgment Day. And uh, let's take a look here real get quick. Get the website, Riverdale10.com. Mm-hmm. Riverdale10.com. Go there to get your Terminator Buy your tickets, tickets now. Yep, just go to Riverdale10.com. Click Coming Soon. You'll see that Terminator poster pop up. Click on that poster, and you'll see the seat map pop up. Boom, there you go. Okay, it looks like a few tickets have sold, but there's tickets available. But, man, I'm going to tell you what. You need to get these. You need to see this movie because... You're not going to remember all the important little things that you need to know as you go into uh, the new one in November. And I'm I'm just telling you, you I go. think this one that's coming out in November is going to be awesome because Cameron's back into it. He wrote the script. He's producing. He's not directing. The guy who's directing it, did he do Deadpool 2? Is that is that the guy? I think it might be. I'm not sure. As I go back and look more. While here. Dave is checking that out, I'll tell you. Hit Riverdale10.com to see what's playing. And new today is yesterday. Also new, Annabelle Comes Home. We are still playing Toy Story 4, Child's Play, Anna, Men in Black, The Dead Don't Die, exclusively at Riverdale 10, Late Night, exclusively at Riverdale 10, The Secret Life of Pets 2, Rocket Man and Aladdin. Terminator 2 tickets are July classic movie with the Dave Ellswick Show are on sale now. And Tuesday, Spider Man Far From Home starts. Go to Riverdale10.com. Now we've got over 40 different beers, eight different wines, all the Arkansas craft beers right there at the theater. Every seat in the building is a luxury leather electric recliner with a table and reserved seating. We got a full food menu, including White Castle cheeseburger sliders. Pizza, chicken tenders, onion rings, french fries, chocolate peanut butter pie, key lime pie, ice cream, 
Of course, uh, State Fair Corn Dogs, Barvarian Pretzels, Nathan's Hot Dogs, Eisenberg Sausages. It's all right there. Go to Riverdale10.com and click Menu to see that full food menu, Serving Beer and Wine. And just so you know, uh, we were voted Best Movie Theater in Arkansas by the Arkansas Times for 2019. And should be. We won for 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, four years in a row. com. Be sure to check it out. All right. With that in mind, Tim Miller is the director of uh, Dark Fate. That's the new Terminator movie. He is the director of Deadpool. Nice. So it, this is the stars are just aligning perfectly for this movie. You gotta love it. And I mean, Sarah Connors is back. I mean, it's Sarah. gonna be good. Schwarzenegger's back. Cameron's back. Everybody. It's gonna be good. Champs. And now you're going to want to see two again, so you'll be ready for November and Dark Fate. That is the new Terminator movie coming up. By the way, he was just mentioning uh, one movie that is playing at, all, I'm sure, probably all the theaters, uh, and that is Toy Story 4. For you who may think Toy Story 4 is just for kids, forget about it. All right, forget about it. It's a great movie. It's for Old people, young people, middle-of-the-road people. I am stunned, to be honest with you, Matt. I told you this Mm -hmm. just a few minutes ago. That they continue to make each Toy Story better than the last. It is Disney and it is Pixar. So, you know, you shouldn't be shocked. It's the best. It it, it was really best. Here's the only thing that kind of hurt my heart. Usually... On a big movie, when Pixar comes out with a big movie, they have a, a little short cartoon before, mm-hmm. and they didn't do that this time. They went right into the movie. Aha. Uh-huh. Here's what I find incredible about what they do. First okay. scene in the movie opens up, it's raining outside. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll tell you. I won't tell you what it's all about, but okay. it's raining outside. Okay, right. That water that's on the sidewalk and on the roof and in the gutter looks like real water. Right, they Pixar is just able to do that. I remember when they uh, Sully from um, Monsters Inc. Right, that they had over a hundred people working together just to get his hair right, get his hair right, Sully. Yeah, and they did Pixar and Disney. I mean, what it, you looked, want, man. it looked real. There you it looked go. Real. They spent a lot of money on that movie. So there you go. Now, you know we got Terminator coming up um, yeah. second Tuesday in July. That's right. And then we also have For All Mankind on Tuesday, July the 16th. Those tickets are on sale now, Riverdale10.com. It's about the Apollo moon landing, so don't forget to grab your tickets for that. So we got cool, two cool special events popping off in July. For All Mankind, July 16th. And I may have course, to go see that, buddy. Terminator 2. 50 years. 50 years ago, we we walked on the moon. It's a pretty awesome documentary. It's I want to cool. see it. Tickets are on sale, Riverdale10.com. Be Have sure to check it out. You've been watching uh, the Discovery Channel, and they've got the, you know, the, the, the people that don't believe that we landed on the moon talking to the people who know we landed on the moon. It's been pretty cool. Nice. Going back and forth. It's been good. It's been very, very good. So just keep in mind, it's 50 years. 50 years. Where were you? I know where I was. Exactly. I was 16 years old. And I was at the Ridge Road Drive-In watching uh, all the Planet of the Ape movies. And we left early during the new one. 
so we can get home and watch Neil Armstrong say, you know, one small step for man, one large step for mankind. There you go. No doubt about it. It's amazing, amazing time. Now I got to catch up with you, man. You you were hanging out with Aerosmith. Is that yeah, what I'm doing? You were. Yeah. So how are they doing? I mean, nice. It's very I mean, obvious that they're getting long in the tooth. Yeah, we popped out to we popped out to Vegas and um, got out there and 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 chopped out to the Grand Canyon. Um, we got there and that was cool. You know, I always enjoyed doing that. So went to the canyon and. It's about 45 minutes to an hour out there, and then you spend about an hour inside the canyon, and then you got about a 45-minute to an hour chopper flight back. So we did that. Uh, caught a couple of shows on the Strip while we were there. I, I like Zoomanity. Uh, that's a great show. Um, enjoyed that quite a bit. And Absinthe, Absinthe is a good show. What's that about? Um, Zoomanity is a Cirque show, a okay. Cirque du Soleil show, but it is a, um, it is a burlesque Cirque du Soleil show. Okay. Little, so, little to no clothing. Um, mostly no, <laughs> no but, clothing. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, you know, don't think you're going to see something boring like O, you know, or Ka or something. You know, it's not <laughs> not for the people. You know, if you're looking to take a nap, don't go to Zoomanity. The last one of the Cirques that I went to was the Beatles one, and I thought that was really good. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. I I've like seen the them music, all, but I mean. I've seen them all, but the only repeat I've ever done is Zoomanity. Okay, so that was cool. <clears throat> and then uh, one night we caught uh, Absinthe, which is a. Um, it's kind of a mix of some burlesque and some stunts and some variety and some stand-up comedy. And that's in this cool little throwback circus tent uh, right in front of Caesars. Oh, so cool. Absinthe is very good. I would recommend both of those shows. Uh, so we did that. That was great. And, uh, you know, got some got some great steaks. You know, went to Gallagher's and some other spots there for some food. And uh, saw some of my friends, you know, that, that lived there. And that was nice. And then went to the Aerosmith show and... You know, it was one of the best, best live performances I've ever seen, uh, and certainly, hands down, the best Aerosmith show I've ever seen. Uh, I've seen them so many times. I've uh, only seen them one time. This is by far the best show ever. They're doing it at the Park MGM, which is a new theater that they've set up there, and it only holds 5,200 people. Wow. There's not a bad seat in the house. I'm going to say kind of an intimate. Not a bad seat in the house. And, you know, they're not having to tear it down and build it every night. They're not traveling around the country. Mm-hmm. So you've got Vegas production values. Just over the top, awesome, great show. Um, you know, obviously, you know, said hello to the guys again. and Got some pictures and talked to the band and that kind of thing. And, you know, the um, – you know, the the bass player is probably the frailest of the bunch, you know, and like he you said, looked frail in that yeah, picture, dude. Yeah. Those guys are he was he was uh he had lost his voice. He wasn't he wasn't talking much. And and um I just if you plan on seeing them Do it now. You need to go see them. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I don't see them touring the country again. I just don't. Um, I see, you know, with their age and their health issues, uh, that Las Vegas residency makes a lot of, you know, the residency in Las Vegas makes a lot of sense for them. They can, sure. get, they can get real good paydays. They don't have to travel. And the stage is set up there, and they can just go there and do the show, you know, any night that they're going to do the show. Um, I just, I don't see them going back on the road, and I just don't see all those original members doing it together much longer. You know, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, Ozzy Osbourne announced a huge tour uh, back in the summer of, of, of 2018. Said last time. Yeah, and, and so I went to his show in uh, Houston. 
No, before and, you go for it, can yeah, I ask you, is yeah. this the one where he had Black Sabbath? No, this was Ozzy solo. He did some Black Sabbath shows as well, but it was just Ozzy on tour. Okay. And he announced a big tour and, and all this. And uh, I went in summer of, of uh, 18, last summer, um, and saw the show. And it was a great show. And got some pictures with Ozzy and hung out. And it was awesome. And everything's cool. Um, and then shortly thereafter that, he fell ill. Mm-hmm. And so instead of canceling the tour, uh, they have rescheduled it for 2020. Next year, huh? Yeah. And so by the time that tour kicks off again, if it does, it'll be two years since he played his last show. And he wasn't looking too spry and spriffy when I saw him in right, summer of 2018. Right. I don't think that tour will ever finish up. Yeah. I think they've just postponed it to 2020 to keep from refunding everything, and they're hoping for the best. I just don't see him doing all those tour dates. You know, you know it's, it's pretty amazing some of the groups that are still performing. I mean, look at the Stones. Stones out there right. doing it again. Mick had open heart surgery uh, and then was back on stage three weeks later. That well, is incredible. They are doing um, they're doing some select dates, and and I think there needs to be more of that. Um, you know, and I think a couple it weeks will ago be. They were in Chicago. Yeah, I wish I could have gone. Soldier's I think there'll Field. be more of that. You know, where these these older bands like that do a few select dates as opposed to just playing. You know day after day or every other day for weeks on end. I just don't think they can do it. But there's such a demand out there. Nobody has really come up to fill that gap. And so that's why those bands are able to still, you know, go out on tour and draw a crowd. Okay, so you were out in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, had Sting started his shows out there? I got no clue. I mean, I mean, I'd I would go wouldn't, see Sting again. Yeah, I mean, I just don't do pop music. I have okay. no idea. All right. I mean, I got no clue. Is he playing at Caesars? I have no idea. I think so. I've got no clue. I think he's playing at Caesars right now. Yeah, I mean, you don't I, like Sting, huh? You don't I like just, the place? Just don't do pop music. Okay. I, just, I don't look at them as pop, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah, if they're I'm, pop, they're a real high pop. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I just I got no clue. Okay, let's take a quick you know, break. It's not real music without guitar. <laughs> Sting plays it. Frickin' guitar? Come on. Okay, I guess. A break. We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, don't forget P.I. Roofing. P.I. Roofing not only will fix your roof and fix all the things that were damaged by the leak that you had in your roof, but they'll also now clean out your gutters, and that's really important that you do that stuff. But don't get up on a ladder and be the one that does it. Let them do it. They'll keep it all cleaned out, and that way when it gets close to... uh, winter time uh you won't have a bunch of crap in your in your gutters that make the water back up on the edge of your roof and form an ice dam and then wear it down and then you end up with a whole bunch of of uh, leaks around your soffit you don't want that to happen what you want is have the folks at uh, pi roofing come out and check what you're doing with your roof out you should have that done at least every couple of years. Have somebody from PI Roofing come out and walk your your roof and make sure it's in really good shape because around the flashing and things of that nature, you can develop leaks and not even know it, and they can cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars. Let me give you you know just a real rundown on a leak. A leak starts, all right? It's got to go through the shingles. It goes through the shingles. It goes through the felt. It goes through the felt. It gets to the wood. It goes through that wood. Then it goes through all of your... Uh, you know, um, 
uh, stuff to keep the heat or to cool in uh, your home. Then it gets to your drywall, and by the time it gets to your drywall, you're talking thousands of dollars. So you talk to PI Roofing, make sure you're not setting yourself up for bad times. All right, go to piroofing.com, piroofing.com. It is the place I trust with my roof. That's piroofing.com. Matt Smith is here, and we are, of course, talking about uh, his trip that he made out to Vegas. It's always a fun place to go. Vegas has got all kinds of stuff going on, and it's a great place to go. So you went and saw Aerosmith. Uh, Any other uh, shows, groups that were performing on the strips or anything that you went to try to check out? No, no. I mean, I I caught the Aerosmith show, and that was the the point of going. And we saw Zoomanity, and, of course, we saw... um, we saw uh, Absinthe, uh, went out to the Grand Canyon, uh, also choppered the strip um, one night to see the lights. Uh, that was Beautiful. cool. Uh, yeah, you know, hit some restaurants, did some shopping, hit some bars, that kind of thing. Yeah, man, you know, just standard Vegas stuff, quick turnaround. Good. But yeah, the whole point of going was the Aerosmith show. Okay, so you went, what, on a Thursday, came back Monday? Uh no, 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 no. I like to. I, I try to do the Sunday through Thursday thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You save money that way, of course. I just don't want to deal with the crowds. People. Yeah, I just don't deal with crowds. Don't you want know. to deal with all those LA people. That come is over? Friday and Saturdays a madhouse. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah, and they're all coming from LA and driving San Diego, in. baby. Driving in, driving in. Yeah. So no, man. I I don't want to do the weekends. I'm I'm not. You know. Yeah, like I'm not going anywhere, you know, next week, you know. I mean, I don't want to do anything, you know, the the fourth through the, you know, through that Monday. I don't want to. Oh, no, man. Uh-uh. Well, like, you should go to Washington, D.C. and oh, see the man. fireworks, buddy. Oh, man. If no, you've never no, saw them, you need to no, go. Man. No. Because no, you, you can no. get there. You get there early. You can sit no. within about 50 yards of the Washington Monument and watch those babies no, go man. off. Oh, it's gorgeous. No, Tuesday through, Tuesday through Sunday, I, I want to be hiding somewhere, <laughs> you know. It's like, like New Year's Eve. I'm not going out, man. Well, I don't go out New Year's going Eve out either. Thing, that's, go out the amateurs. Yeah, that's just you know, amateur. amateur night. You don't want to be going, out I'm there not for going that. out on the weekend of the fourth. I'm so, are you going to are you going to barbecue on the fourth? No, man. I'll I'll low key it. We, we, we'll have because you got to be eating meat. You're I know yeah. you're getting back into shape. Yeah. So that means yeah. you got to be eating lean right a lot, now. A lot of lean. That's true. We generally have like a like a pool party. You know, some kind of thing about the middle of middle of July. That's generally when we do that. We do that about the middle of July, a couple of weeks after the fourth. Let people get the fourth behind them. Yeah. And then that first week in August, we always we always take a trip to the islands. So we generally have a have a pool party thing around July fifteen. I saw where you know. you're uh, like I am friends with Britney Spears. Yeah. On uh, on the Instagram, mm-hmm. she was she was at the Turks. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've met Britney Spears, and you know, I, I just. Man, you know, that's kind of a tragedy that could have been avoided. Well, she still acts a little different. Well. That's a nice way of putting it. I mean, you know, that that girl can sing, and people don't seem to believe that, but but that girl can sing. She's definitely got the pipes. She she is she is a singer. And I think there's a tragedy there when you get to just the, you know, the record label, bad management, uh, and, her, and, her, and her parents. Yeah, I think there's a tragedy there because... You know, that girl was was in uh, Louisiana, Mm -hmm. and she was doing uh, singing and stuff there and doing talent contests and fairs. And, I mean, she was dressed in church dresses and had some pipes. I mean, was belting them out. And they went to Disney. I really think that um, she could have had the Celine Dion trajectory. 
Okay. People don't believe she can sing. Right? Oh, well, she I've can seen sing. her. She can she sing. She can sing. So then the record label and management just kind of tarted the whole thing up and went kind of lowbrow and stripper-esque with her career. And, yeah, I mean, it sold and it was big, but it didn't have to go that route. I agree. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about that, how important management really is. All right, so I wondered about this, uh, the movie Anna. I went and saw Anna and thought it was a good movie, really did. I thought it was good. And there's this article today uh, yes. in the paper, Russian model was poised for big break in mm-hmm. Anna. And what happened in 2017, Luke Bisson was mm-hmm. uh, hit with allegations of sexual mm-hmm. uh, abuse or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what now, happens if you work in Hollywood. Now, guess what? They found out it was all false. Mm-hmm. So now they released the movie, and the movie would have been out before... Atomic Blonde and Sparrow, because everybody thinks that Anna is cop- copying from those two movies. When in fact, it, it was, was done first. it was the fresh one mm-hmm. uh, with the, that storyline. And I just thought, I thought the movie was very good. I enjoyed it. I think that this Russian model has has some uh, future in uh, on the big screen. Well, you know, as we talked about, Sparrow was awful. Oh, God. just awful, awful. What do you what do you think? Do you think Jennifer Lawrence needs to take a sabbatical for a couple of years and then come back and and try to do something serious or whatever? Well, I mean, you know, there's only one career where you can do anything, and the more outrageous and crazy it is, the more you more money you make, and more money you make, and that's 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 rock and roll. I mean, if you're you know if you're a dirty rock and roll band, you just can't really go wrong i mean you know just look at the rolling stones you know look at motley crew i mean you just look at look at everything aerosmith did but i mean if you're in any other profession you know you got to be somewhat civil and you can't be too scandalous so now how she fell off the deep end i don't know and i, I don't understand the stupidity of just you know how they shoot their mouth off like we've talked about robert de niro yep. before we've talked about meryl streep and he's you know? hurt his career now I, I have no uh, doubt about it. Shut your pie hole and give people an opportunity to pay to see your performances. Um, you know, you look at somebody like uh, Dolly Parton, you know. I don't do politics, you know. That's 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 the correct answer. I mean, that's, yeah. what, you, that's what you need to do. I mean, just, you know, like uh, Taylor Swift is getting out there in left field. Have now. you seen some of the, the videos for her new album? It's terrible. Taylor Swift? I yeah. have not. I mean, I just, that's too poppy for me I, I just know that she's got some like weirdo political views and you know I, I mean just it's like weirdo stuff i don't know it's real out there to, i just i just think if you you buy into that whole narrative you are offending uh some of your audience you're certainly pr- offending potential audience members um i don't know why they do that makes no sense to me yeah you know i, I mean, don't know i mean it's like george clooney there's, I, I'm one of the people who won't go see one of his movies because he can't shut his mouth. Yeah, you know, I mean, you get all the criticism for, um, you know, from Miley Cyrus, right? But, you know, Miley Cyrus can sing. She is incredibly talented. She's incredibly intelligent when it comes to that business. And, and she's then, calmed down a little bit now that she's gotten married, by the way. Well, you know, her dad is just an absolute genius. And, you know, people... 
people, you know, pigeonhole him with uh, achy, achy breaky heart, achy, achy breaky heart, and and you know the mullet, and they just forget about all the TV shows he's done, all the songs he's written, and you know when they pitch something to her, you know it's um, yeah I'll look at that and everything, and you know you can have my management team, my accountants look at it, and then you know you need to go on and send that paperwork over to my dad, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll let you know. You know, I mean, it, it is it is unbelievable. And I don't know who is selling more records. I don't know if Taylor Swift is selling more records than Miley Cyrus or whatever. But I promise you, Miley Cyrus is getting more money for everything she does and is holding on to more of the dollars she turns than probably anybody else in the industry. Well, she's got a dad very shrewd taking care very of her. shrewd businessman very shrewd mm-hmm. so you know I, I and and she is not shooting her mouth off about politics she may do some weird songs she may do some weird videos she may do all that but she keeps the politics to herself And if you don't like the song move on right you know she'll have another record with a different theme in a 18 months but you know the politics thing i, I just think it alienates people it turns people off it hurts your record sales hurts your movie ticket sales you know, Denaro's out there in left field now, like we said, and you know Alec Baldwin, his whole bid, and you know I, I don't know if it's. There was only one time in uh-huh. America mm-hmm. where politics and rock and roll mixed, and it was a gazillion dollar substance, and that was the late sixties, and that's okay. because it was a, a seminal time in American history. With the Vietnam War and other things that were going on, and then Watergate happened, Mm -hmm. and the groups at that time were singing about it because Mm -hmm. it was the only way anybody would would talk about it in a free-form way. When you're talking about 1968, you do have the Vietnam War. You got the draft. Culture was changing. You've also got the civil rights upheaval and all that stuff going on, so... You know, and that's what that's what makes a lot of these things just laughable and, and to the point of giggly and just beyond stupid. When all these people talk about, you know, Trump got elected president and it's all over. Oh no, we're going to hell in a handbasket, right? And I mean, look at nineteen sixty eight. You know? Yeah. Look at look at eighteen sixty one. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about some volatile years in America, right? Sure. 1968 was rough, man. Two, two assassinations, and Insane it was crazy. And, you know, all this crazy stuff, like, you know, well, he's going to he's gonna stop the, the states from uh, legalizing marijuana. Well, no. There's been more states that have legalized it since then. Yeah. But he's going to stop gay marriage. Nope. Not a word has been said about gay marriage. I mean, you know all the crazy stuff they say. You know, they just, I mean, it, it's, it's, man, it's ludicrous. I mean, it, it just, I don't know. I understand you got some, you know, the Pocahontas woman, Elizabeth or whatever. Pocahontas? Yeah. Uh, you know, the <laughs> I know. Elizabeth Warren Elizabeth crazy Warren, person or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And you got Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And they got to say crazy stuff. They got a circus going on right now. It's weird. You. But, you know, they got to get elected, right? <laughs> yeah. But I understand that. But I just don't understand singers or, or actors, actresses getting so involved in that or sports stars. I mean, you need to use Michael Jordan as your example. You know, just kept his mouth shut and sold some sneakers. And you know. uh, scored. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. the key. Absolutely. Filled Absolutely. the bucket up. Anyway, let me tell you about Hot Springs. All right, here's what's going to be playing this weekend around the area. Here we go. Okay, so down in Hot Springs, we have Annabelle Comes Home, Toy Story 4, Men in Black International, The Secret Life of Pets 2, and Aladdin. 
Now, we have the new auditoriums open in Hot Springs. We're totally revamping that movie theater. Every single seat in the building is a luxury leather electric recliner with a table and reserved seating. Over 20 different beers, eight different wines, a full food menu, Dolby Atmos sound, Barco 4K projection. We are putting in a brand new parking lot that will be finished before the 4th of July. It's hotspringsvip.com. Tickets and gift cards are available online at our website. We have reserved seating. Family Fun Film Series returns with How to Train Your Dragon on July 8th and 9th at 10 a.m. Hotspringsvip.com. Spider-Man starts on Tuesday, July 2nd. Tickets are on sale now at the website. And, of course, we will have Lion King. We will have Crawl. We will have Stuber. All playing in the month of July. Hotspringsvip.com. Go there. Sign up for the email newsletter. Like the Facebook page. Download the free theater group mobile app. Join the movie club. Hotspringsvip.com. Check out that brand new facility we've got built for you guys right there in Hot Springs. If you're up north in the big city of Searcy, searcycinema.com. Now playing Annabelle Comes Home, Toy Story 4, Child's Play, Aladdin, The Secret Life of Pets 2, Men in Black International, Avengers Endgame, Godzilla, and Dark Phoenix. That's searcycinema.com. Four auditoriums there feature luxury leather electric recliners with tables and reserved seating. We're going to put recliners in the other four auditoriums starting August the 15th. We got a full food menu there, including pizza, chicken tenders, cheeseburgers, French fries, onion rings, pie, cake, ice cream, Bavarian pretzels, hot dogs, sausages, corn dogs, mushrooms, you name it. It's right there. Hit the website, searchycinema.com, click menu. Family Fun Film Series returns July 8th and 9th at 9 a.m. every Monday and Tuesday. Soda and popcorn only a dollar during the film series. SearchTheCinema.com. Like the Facebook page. Sign up for the email newsletter. Download the free mobile app right there at the website. Do all of that. Yes, sir. You want to talk about Dave's hometown? Yeah, let's talk about Cabot, and then we'll take a break. Of course, in Cabot, we have our private club permit. You know what that means. CabotVIPCinema.com. Every chair in the building is a luxury leather recliner with a table and reserved seating. We got a full food menu there. All four theaters have the same food menu. Playing in Cabot this weekend, yesterday. Annabelle comes home. Going to, to see that tonight. Toy Story Four. Saw it last night. Aladdin. Anna. The Secret Life of Pets Two. Child's Play. Men in Black International. Spider Man starts on Tuesday. Crawl. And Stuber start next Thursday. Crawls about an alligator. Lion King starts January 18th. Tickets are on sale now for all of those movies. CabotVIPCinema.com. Check out the full food menu. Sign up for the email newsletter. Like our Facebook page. And, of course, download the free Theater Group mobile app. Be sure to join the movie club for rewards points to redeem for free movie tickets and free concessions. CabotVIPCinema.com. All right. A break, and then we'll be back. We'll talk further. We'll talk about Cersei. And then uh, we'll just talk about some of the upcoming releases that are coming our way here shortly during the summer. All right, got one more segment here during this uh, 2 o'clock hour. Lionsgate picks up a new sci-fi film called Voyagers that people are saying is Lord of the Flies in Space. That's different. Look out now. And it stars Colin Farrell. Ty Sheridan, Lily Rose Depp, 
Fionn Whitehead and Keen Johnson. Kelvin Harrison. The only name I know there is Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. And he's a much better actor than a lot of people give him credit for. But when you're in there with a whole bunch of amateurs, it's hard to pull them up to your level. Mm. Just, just just saying. And I was Just so you know. Just mentioning, uh, let's go out to Searcy. Oh, well, we, we talked did, about Searcy. We talked about Searcy. Oh, we talked about it? Riverdale. Okay, Riverdale, Riverdale 10. What's playing at the big yep. Riverdale 10? Hit us at Riverdale 10. 10, and you can go to Riverdale10.com to check out what's playing at the theater. Of course, we are playing yesterday. Started this Friday. Annabelle Comes Home, Toy Story 4, Child's Play, Men in Black, The Dead Don't Die, exclusively at Riverdale 10, Late Night, exclusively at Riverdale 10, The Secret Life of Pets 2, Rocket Man, Aladdin, and of course, Anna. That's Riverdale10.com. Spider-Man starts on Tuesday, Crawl and Stuber start next Thursday, Lion King starts July 18th. Tickets are on sale at Riverdale10.com for all of those. This month's classic movies include Terminator 2, the second Tuesday of the month at 7 o'clock with the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll also have the documentary All for All Mankind on July 16th, that Tuesday. Tickets are on sale at Riverdale10.com. Riverdale10.com. Sign up for the email newsletter. Download the free Theater Group mobile app. Like us on Facebook and follow our events. And, of course, sign up for the movie club. Get those free points to get those free tickets and free food. We're serving over 40 different beers, eight different wines, and we have a full food menu at Riverdale 10. Now, Dave was asking me about some home viewing, and so I was going to tell you about a couple things. Here we go. One, I watched the Deadwood movie on HBO. I was disappointed. Were you disappointed? I loved it. I, Did I, you? I really, I, I loved it. And, I mean, I love the series. I, f- I hate the fact that the series only had 36 episodes and three seasons, but they brought back everybody. Well, I agree. And yeah. it's been so long. Well, they didn't bring a- back Tyler Booth, but you can't bring him back. Yeah. He's dead. There you go. Well, um, it had been so long since the series was on, I was glad to watch the movie and just kind of look back and see where all of those characters went. You know, the sheriff went on to do Justified. You mm-hmm. know, uh, Trixie Trixie went on to do Ray Donovan. Uh, I mean, just just a long list of of wonderful wonderful. Sorgen is in everything of worth. Yeah, it's she's just, a great actor. I I love the Deadwood movie on HBO. I mean, I, I really did. I highly recommend that if you if you like HBO, it's 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 just tremendous. Um, loved it. Um, and then uh, on Cinemax, uh, the series Warrior uh, wrapped up. They ended that after 10 episodes. Uh, that's off. It was replaced with a series called Jet. And Jet's about three uh, episodes in. And you and say that's really good. It is. I've been impressed with it. It's uh, it's a woman who is a jewel thief. Um, and uh, she gets caught up in some stuff she's got to do to protect her family. But it's been very good so far, so I recommend Jet on Cinemax, and then on uh, Epix, E-P-I-X, uh, there's a series called Deep State, and it kind of deals with the CIA and, and, and terrorism and things like that overseas. I really like that. So as far as home viewing goes, uh, those are the three I'm watching. You watch Yellowstone? Oh, hey, yeah, that's back. <laughs> it's back. And I love again. that, and that is a great show. I it's highly on recommend Paramount. that. Paramount Network. It used to be the Spike, Net- Spike. It used to be Spike TV. I think it's 241 on DirecTV. It was called um, Esquire for a while, but now it's the wow. Paramount Channel. Yeah, it was Spike TV, Esquire, and now it's the Paramount Channel, but 
Yeah, Yellowstone is really good television. Really good. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's some of the best stuff that I've seen Cosner yes, doing in a long yes, time. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I forgot about that one. I highly recommend that. Yellowstone and Deadwood, tops right there. Boom, tops. Not a lot tops of stuff. That's Paramount's second foray into, into uh, cable network television because they had – uh, they had they tried to do what is now CW at one point, if I remember right. They yeah. had, because they had uh, Star Trek Voyager was mm-hmm. Paramount. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's right. You're right. Too soon. They they went too soon. The time is now right, probably to do that because streaming is becoming more and more of the thing uh, for people watching television. I I got to tell you, I'm interested here in a few months. And we've talked about this already. What it's going to be like when Disney starts streaming and for all these other streamers that are out there right now. It's going to be interesting. If you have Netflix stock, you need to sell it now. <laughs> now. I mean, you only got yeah. about 100 days left, man, and the bottom dropping out of that. I mean, you're going to have to get a – I mean, seriously, get like a box carload of Tampex and drop it off <laughs> at the Netflix corporate offices because they're going to be gushing blood. Yeah. I mean, they're going to need some help. I mean, they got about 100 days. What's going to happen? Disney's going to ice pick them in one kidney. And then when Warner Brothers pulls together everything Warner Brothers has – the entire Warner Brothers catalog, everything from Cinemax, everything from HBO, everything from Time, they pull all that together and they put Warner with its own streaming service, right? That's going to be the other blow. That's going to be the other kidney, the other ice so what pick, do you the think? other shank. How soon before Warner Brothers can get their act together? Because that's the problem. They can't get their act together. I don't know, man. Warner's good. I mean, if if you look at your, at your, at your top movies, and you and I have had this discussion before, this is what I do. I book all the Disneys, then I book all the Warners, okay? Then when they were still around, I booked all the Fox, and then I booked all, all right. the Universal. Once I booked all those, if I got a screen left, you put then, the other people then I'll, I'll look at Sony or I'll look at Paramount. I'll get those in there. How sad is that? And then if that you would look at Sony right, or look right. at Paramount. They and, used to be the big names. And then the other stuff is just something to play. It's just something to play. You know, and so I, I just, I just, if I've got a screen for them, that's cool. Uh, and you know, if if you've got at least eight screens, you can cover the eight major players for the right. most part. But Disney, Fox, Warner Universal, those are the powerhouses, man. I mean, those are the big four by a long shot. Yeah, Disney is the mm-hmm. eight hundred pound gorilla mm-hmm. right yeah. now. Yeah, and then after that, the 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 fifth and sixth place are Paramount and Sony. They flip back and forth, and then you know, once you get out of those top six. Lionsgate and Summit, they're combined now into Lionsgate Studios. You know, Summit bought you all the werewolf movies with the vampires and the Twilight stuff. But Mm -hmm. Summit and Lionsgate are together now. And and Lionsgate likes to refer to itself as a major, but it is not. There's the big six, you know, really the big four, and then Sony and Paramount, and then everybody's a step down from that, and that would include Lionsgate. And then you get some people like STX and Relativity Media and some other distributors that are out there, and they're trying to throw in some stuff around the tent poles, and they do make some good pictures that do 50 million at the box office. Yeah, they do 50 million at the box office. And, you know, there's a lot of screen counts out there, and they can pick their dates right and, and, and stick some movies in and do well. But, no, man, I mean, Warner has it together. 
I mean, Warner's Warner's the champs, and 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 I love working with those guys because they understand. I mean, they they understand the business, and they understand the the uh, uh, the way the business works. They understand exhibition. They're so in tune with what they're doing. Uh, it's going to be a sad day when the guys that I've worked with over the years, and and all of them are older than me. You know, when those guys retire, you know, it's going to be kind of sad because you know they have these young people coming up, and they they just don't have a grasp of the business. You know. Uh, I got my guy that sells uh, that sells uh, film for Disney, and you know he'll go into his computer and he can tell you every theater in America. Disney's got him ranked from number one to the worst one, worst to first, first to worst. Right. They can tell you exactly where a theater ranks on any picture anywhere. They can tell you, and and you know, Warner is the same way, and they understand exhibition. I mean, when I was. Uh, you have a movie from Warner that does a lot of business. They want a lot of screens and showtimes. Mm-hmm. Then you have something like Shaft, you know, and I'll call the guy and I'm like, hey, man, you know, Shaft's not working in these small towns. Yeah, I know, man. I tell you, sorry about that. You know, I appreciate y'all opening that thing up. I just, yeah, you know, Shaft's not a small town movie. We was going wide. We were looking for some screens. We had to get it out there. I tell you, man, just hold it somehow for me. I'd like to keep it on the screen a little bit longer if I could. Just work something out. That'll be fine. Off the phone, right? Right. And that dude's grown. I mean, he's you know he's he's been doing it. I mean, he's been doing it longer than I've been doing it. And and he'll retire soon. It's gonna be a sad day. And then I have some clown that you know I don't know if I can ever get them on the phone. Because, Thirty seconds because mostly they like to email and they're twenty eight right, years old. Right. You know, and they'll have some crap bomb movie and they're like, you gotta hold it, you gotta hold it clean. I'm like, dude, you work at Relativity, man. I mean, what do yeah. you mean I gotta hold it? I don't care if I ever play you again. You yeah. know, I'm not holding the picture. You know, it's, nobody's watching it, bro. It's got to go. You know, right. crazy. And I can tell you, 28, bro, not 58. All right. <laughs> We're going to come back. We'll talk more. Matt Smith is here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, 3 o'clock hour. Matt Smith here with us for another 30 minutes. And then Scott Hannigan's going to join us. He is the director of admissions uh, for over at uh, Harding University. He'll be talking to us. For about a half hour. Then the Geek Squad will join us at uh, 4 o'clock. And Tim Lim will be here. And Mark is going to be here. Peregrini. I think that Shane Stacks might be able to stop by. we got a lot of things to talk about uh, as far as geek stuff is concerned. The big geek story today is that uh, for uh, the San Diego Comic-Con that's coming up at the end of July... Out in San Diego is that Toho Studios has never been there before, and they're setting up a huge display uh, for you. In fact, uh, they're going to have, like, the costume from Godzilla 2000 and things like that for you to see, so that would be really cool. This weekend, of course, is Little Rock Comic Con is going on, and some uh, friends of mine are uh, kicking out and heading down to Mississippi. There's evidently a Comic-Con going on in Mississippi. Those are big deals. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. I'll take your word for, all for the, it. For all the geeks that are out there. I'll take there. your word for it. All the geeks that are out. Okay. You, know, I, you know, we've had things over at uh, Riverdale yeah. for that kind of stuff. Been and, fun. And, uh, you know, we're always looking to do something different. Yeah. Always. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a lot of fun. I have no, no money involved in Riverdale. All I've got involved is my friendship with Matt Smith. Well, he's been the man that has kept, as far as I'm concerned, movie theaters alive here in Little Rock. 
at least for independent stuff. I mean, we do try to do a lot of independent films, like you know, don't the dead don't die and late night things like that to give people. How an did that do at the box office? People like those. I mean, you know, we've got eight, we've got ten screens there at Riverdale, and you know, we'll we'll play your typical, you know, first one Hollywood first run Hollywood major releases on eight screens, and then we'll have two screens that we dedicate to movies that you can only see at Riverdale ten. It's fun. Love to do stuff like that. You know, like you said, tying the Comic-Con stuff with, like, one of the Dave Ellswick classics, that's always good. Yeah. You know, if we can do something to kind of mix it up, and there's a little something extra when they come out for the Dave Ellswick classic, besides just the film. Yeah. You know, do the film and do some trivia and all that. That's cool. But if you got a little extra going, that's always fun. I have somebody working on something for October. That'll be fun. We are. Because we're showing, I spit on your grave. Yep. The original. Yep. All right. We have got. A line on Camille Keaton from Pine Bluff. Oh, that'd be nice. She was the actress that starred in that movie. So we're going to try to have her there for that film. That'd be good. That'd be huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, those things are always fun. We can tie it a little something extra for the people that are coming out. And, yeah, it's always fun to come in there as a group. And then you've got, you know, you've got your listeners and they're going to come in because, you know, they're listening to the show. And so they have that in common. But if you can tie in something extra besides the film, yeah, you know, like we'll have the princesses out there when Frozen comes out. You know, there'll be a dude there dressed as Spider-Man next week. You know, of stuff course. like, yeah, make it fun for the kids. You know, stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I like doing that. But if you've got a little person there, you know, a little tie-in, the Comic-Con thing, or an actor or an actress, or somebody's worked with the film, you can have a little question and answer, those types of things. It adds a little something extra to the experience, you know. And that's always fun when we do that. That's always a good time. When we can do it here in Little Rock, that's always a big deal. Because, like, to get Camille out for this would be huge. Because big cities, they do that a lot of times. That's true. To do it here in Little Rock, not so often. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it it makes it for a good thing. We've we've been able to do some of that stuff over the years, and and that's been good. That's tied in real well with the classic series. And, you know, we've been able to keep that going. And, you know, for a long time, we're the only people doing it. You know, yeah, no, everyone yeah. wants to do it. Well, it's, it's changed now that it went digital. You know, back in the day when you had to get in that 35 millimeter print yeah. and put it together, then, um, you know, it made it more of a rarity, you know, but we still got our followers that come out to see those things. Oh, you know? yeah. And so, I mean, you know, we're basically doing. I don't think Dr. Terry Yamauchi has missed more than three of my, my classic movies. There you go. <laughs> I mean, right, and 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 we do we do the classic film series. That's twelve times a month, and then we have another film series with the Arkansas Times, mm-hmm. and that's usually something a little more along the lines of art. You know, we'll have a, a art film or a foreign film or a documentary film. Uh, you know, um, some now, kind see, of indie I've film. tried to do that. Right, it doesn't play well with my no. My your listeners. audience is most definitely a uh, you know classic mainstream film. They thing. like classics, but they want the real yes. classics, not not blow up like I, I tried to show them. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but now the Arkansas Times has a uh, they've got a um, um, podcast that they do on film called Film Quotes, and then they pick from indie art, foreign, and documentary films, and that's what they want to do, and. Everybody that works at Arkansas Times comes out for those, and they generally have somebody that speaks, and it's it's a pretty cool little deal, and and some of the films I'm like, what in the world, you know? And I, and I kind of scratch my head a little bit, and then I start digging into the film to try to find who has the rights, and I'm going to license it or whatever, and right. then I'm like, whoa, that is very interesting. Where did that come from? And so it's been a different thing for me as opposed to you know we're playing the Wizard of Oz we're playing Godfather and you're like you know I don't care who you are if you're flipping through the TV channels and one of those comes on you stop you stop and you watch it of course you do 
Of course you do. And a lot of them you've never seen on the big screen. Of course you do. That's exactly right. And so if you get a chance to play Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz, The Godfather, Scarface, stuff like that, obviously people are coming and those are cool. And, and you know, that's just something you can watch just over and over and over again. Those are truly American classics. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are definitely the canon of American motion picture making, and therefore the world, because everybody got that stuff from the States, you know. And then, of course, you know, Matt will be talking to me, and I'll say Terminator 2, because the new Terminator opens up in November, and people are going to want to see 2 again. That's good enough reason. You know, you got to see it again. And a lot of you... Can't go wrong with James Cameron. ...have never seen that movie on a big screen. There's a difference between 65-inch big screen TV and how, how big is that screen in two? Oh, man, that thing's 50 by 25. And we're not talking yeah. inches. We're talking feet. <laughs> yeah, that thing's a monster. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's and, a huge and screen. Screen one is 40 by 20. Yeah, that's a monster. That's a monster you know, screen. And yeah. you can see, you know, Schwarzenegger, you know, say I'll be back and, yeah, and I, all those things. I, I'm... I like it when people go into the new screen in Hot Springs. It's really knocking their knocking their socks Flipping off. Flipping them out. Yeah, I I'm, can I'm, imagine. I'm, they're enjoying the new auditoriums there. Quite I'll a give bit. you a good example of uh-huh. that. I, that. Up in Clinton, yeah, I had some friends up there, and I went to the theater there. Oh wow! And I thought I was watching the television. Wow! It was small. Yeah, I bet yeah. that screen was what ten foot by yeah. whatever. It yeah. was not big. No, no. No. It reminded me of the movie Dracula when everybody was showing up and he was watching the sunrise yeah. in the theater and it had the little screen that they were showing it on. That's what it reminded me of. Man. I forget what it was we went and saw. And I yeah. I just looked at him and said, is this the way you go see movies all the time? They go, yeah. I said, you need to just make the drive back to Little Rock. Make the drive, man. You got to come over. in the fuel. And they said, when we went to big screen, we go up to Marshall and go to the drive The Kindle, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're still holding on at the Kindle, you know. Only about 300 drive-ins left in North America. Such a great way of seeing a movie, too. Yeah, it's 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 changed. I mean, there's there's probably roughly forty five thousand screens and around fifty eight hundred, fifty nine hundred locations as far as multiplexes, multi screens. Uh, but yeah, there's only about three hundred drive in screens left. I think three twenty three. The last count. It's I very saw. very simple. The land they sit on is mm-hmm. worth more than the business. It's that simple. In a city, it is. It yeah, really is. Yeah, it's it's. Um, you know, it's just one of those things like, um, you know, when you stop getting the daily newspaper, you know, it, it just. It, that's when you know yeah. it's gone. Yeah. I mean, that's you, you kind of lose something there. I, I, I don't you know, I, I don't know. You know, the drive ins are gone. I mean, you know, there's there's other things. But, Americana. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, just just kind of that connection to the past and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, I watched a documentary on. Uh, circuses and how you know the circus industry God, loved circuses. ruled ruled America. You it know, did for and, one time at a, at a time. Absolutely, yeah. and and you know like uh, Annie Oakley saw a documentary on Annie Oakley, just mm-hmm. totally fascinating. You know, and just how all of those like the circuses and that uh, Buffalo Bills Wild West show just traveled America on trains and just played everywhere, night after night after night, to just everybody in town. Yep, basically, you know. And everybody there. And, you know, they could go to Europe and tour and everything. And it, it, it was just so amazing to see what Annie Oakley had Here's done. Here's a good, good point. Yeah. 
when's the last time i don't know the last time that i heard at the shriners circus right have you heard it i no, have i mean they, have they disappeared like they ringling, may have ringling, they, Barnum and bailey yeah ringling is gone there's a there's a circus called uh garvin brothers and they come through every february and they set up a barton coliseum and they do it every february and they pretty much play the southern states uh, they play the stars and bar states pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, they they stick to the south and a little bit into the west. But the thirteen Confederate states, they had all the spots in there because you don't have those weird animal laws. Like yeah. you know, they don't go to California, for example. You know they don't go to Illinois. But like they'll come through and they will play. They will play Fort Smith. They will play Fayetteville. They will play Little Rock. They will play Jonesboro. They will play Hot Springs, and it's a cool little one ring circus. And it's just so much fun. And, I mean, you know, I've got a six-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son, right? They love it, don't they? Dude, it's so much fun. I mean, it's just... I mean, just, all the lights and the people and the animals they've and the got, kids love it. They've got elephants. They've got horses. They've got camels. You know, and you can you can pet all those animals. And, you know, you can ride the ponies. And, you know, you can ride the camel and all that. And they've got those shows. And, of course, they've got some trapeze and, you know, some acrobats. And they've got a motorcycle stunt show and all that. And it is very much not Ringling Brothers. But if you're six years old and you're two years old, it's the greatest thing ever, man. It's just mean, it's, like Ringling Brothers. Yes, it's the greatest show on earth, baby. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's a big show under the Big Ten. We go every February. I so look forward to it. My two kids, my wife, my mom goes, my mom loves it. It's the only time I eat cotton candy. So good, man. And I mean, you know, of course, and they've got the popcorn, <laughs> they've got the peanuts, and they've got the face painting for the kids. Yep. And, and and I miss, I miss Ringling. I mean, I, I really I do. do. I mean, when they, when they would play uh, like at Verizon, man, it was such a good time, you know? I, I I just hate that the PETA and the animal rights got on their back and just ran them out of business, basically, mm-hmm. you know? It's, it's, um, the whole political correctness thing, I, I, I think they, you know, that ended up kind of driving the nail in the in the in the coffin for that yeah, for that they, industry. They uh, they they were much kinder, gentler, yeah, BS. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, Just you know, yeah. Be, I, we, we went to the you. San Diego Zoo, or we went to the Safari Park out there. Man, my kids love seeing those animals and that little circus coming through. Garvin Brothers, always awesome. Always. Here's, here was one of my, you know, there's there's yeah. things that stand out in your career as you okay. do it. And one, it was 1994 mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, Indiana, when I was in mm-hmm. WIBC, and I got to be the ringleader that led in the grand parade at the beginning of Ringling Brothers, Barnum & Bailey. Nice. Dude, I have never had anything like that since. That was incredible. Of course it was. It was absolutely incredible. And you're sitting there in 1994 and you're thinking to yourself, you know, would it ever even have crossed your mind that there would not be a ringling? No. You know, since they'd already been around for, you know, over 100 years, years at yeah, that never. point. You know, I thought they would continue of on. Of course. There was a of packed course. house there. Of course. And uh, of course. they still packed the houses pretty much so. When, oh, yeah. yeah. Even the last year that they came around, it was full of rising the last time they played there. Yep. Um, I was there. I yeah, went. why wouldn't you? And and I don't know. I just man, if you're if you're playing a video game instead of going to that, it's just sad, man. Yeah, it's just it's sad. sad. I mean, if they got you know if these kids are messing with the iPad, 
instead of going and seeing something like that, it's just heartbreaking. It's pathetic. Uh, you know. Ugh. I'm with you. Let's take a break. Final break for uh, this uh, part of the show with Matt. He'll be back to finish it up with me here on a Friday on 101. One, the answer. All right, back with you. We're just sitting here talking about a lot of changes that are that's going along, and a lot of people don't even realize that it's happening, Matt. As we were talking yeah. about the Dim Gas, the paper edition of Dim Gas will be gone by when? when when's the date for that? Do you they're, know? they're swapping them out, but but I think uh, they're doing Conway. They've already done some of the smaller counties in the state. Jonesboro's and, gone. Craighead. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They did that a few months ago. They're doing Faulkner County now, I believe. Uh, but I heard that the last county they'll do is Pulaski County. But they hope to have it done by the end of the year. Okay. So by the end of the year. No print. You'll only be reading on a pad. Except for Sunday. Still get the, yeah. You still get the Sunday paper print. And you know why. Yeah. It's more profitable today. Yeah. But Monday <laughs> through Saturday, it'll be just on an iPad. And the Arkansas Times went from being a weekly paper to a monthly. They're a I monthly. I did not even know that. Back in January. told me. Back in January. Sure did. And then the Sentinel Record in Hot Springs is still seven days a week. It's one of the few seven-day-a-week newspapers left in the state. Uh, the Daily Citizen in Searcy is five days a week. They've got a Sunday paper, and then they've got Tuesday through Friday. The Daily Citizen in Searcy does not publish on Saturday, and they do not publish on Monday. And then Leader, which is in the Jacksonville, Cabot, Lone Oak, Carlisle, Sherwood area, I believe they're two days a week. I believe they're Wednesday and Saturday. Um, I still advertise in the Democrat Gazette, the Arkansas Times, uh, the Jacksonville Leader, and the uh, Hot Springs Sentinel Record, and the Searcy Daily Citizen. I still run newspaper ads in there for the movie theater. Right. I'm the only movie theater that you know does that for a long, long time. Long time. So, you know. But, yeah, I, I hate to see it going. Uh, but I'm going to do the whole iPad thing with the Democrat. I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to try it out. I kind of like the premise of it, just uh, grabbing that iPad. Because, like, for me, when I travel, the one thing I don't like is when I get home, i got a bunch of newspapers piled up. Or a bunch of books. And I haven't read them, you know. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to <clears throat> the iPad for that reason. Once I'm out of town, I can just pull it up and, and, you know, boom, read it. So I'm looking forward to that. I just I want them to survive. And I think the last – I was trying to see this article in here. I was going to quote some of this. Um uh, the end is here. The Arkansas Democrat Gazette moves to stop printing and delivering a daily newspaper. Uh, this is a big write-up here. Um, it's uh, Walter. Yeah, they Wal- talked to Hussman, didn't yep, they? Walter E. Hussman Jr., who owns the newspaper, uh, has said if he can get 70% of current subscribers to convert to digital delivery at the same rate they paid for printed delivery, the newspaper will return to profitability. Well, that's because so people don't realize how expensive newsprint is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, really expensive. There's a picture here of all these empty stands just sitting at the headquarters for the Democratic Gazette, yeah. you know, because nobody's buying them. You know, they put them in those racks. You yeah. Know? So it's it's. And when you look at that picture, you can look and say some people lost their jobs because yeah, of that. I mean, and, and, and that's the thing. And you and I have talked about this before, you know. Everybody around can tell you what Trump said or some stupid junk Bernie Sanders said, but nobody knows what's going on with their local school board or the city council. That's right. And so when you go ahead and and, and deal the death blow to local newspapers, 
and you go ahead and deal the death blow to local radio, you know, where are you really going to get your local news? I'm talking about stuff that matters. I'm talking about the money of city council spending, what's happening with your taxes, what's going on with the school board, what's happening at the water department, what's happening at the police department, that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's cool to see, you know, pictures of the Friday night football game in the paper or whatever, but there's important stuff with local radio and local newspapers that you're just not going to get by turning on Fox and CNN, man. You're not going to get it. And, I mean, you know, you worry about what Trump and Pelosi are doing. They're, you know, or whatever, one of those other windbags that's running. I don't know, Biden or somebody, you know, some of that off-the-wall stuff they say, like they're eating magic mushrooms or something. I don't know where this stuff comes from half the time. I mean, that debate, what a joke, man. What did they, I mean, come on, man. I mean, really? I mean, talking about the reparations, right? What about the 600,000 Union soldiers that died went into the Civil War? Yeah, I agree. What about their family, man? 600,000 guys, you know, the blue, they got killed. I mean, you know, anyway. For (laughs) black people. Right, I know. I'm just, I'm thinking, what about their families? But anyway, I mean, you know, dudes picked up some guns and said, hey, this ain't right. We're going to bring it into it. And they did, you know. But anyway. Uh, it, it it nobody pays attention to the local, and the local's the thing. And well, if the it'll local, have more effect on you every day than you've ever. ever. That's what's, why we cover it. So city and county, city and county has more effect on you than what's happening in Washington D.C. Oh, absolutely, no doubt. And and I hate to see local newspapers and local radio go away, man. It's going to be horrible. Nobody's going to be able to watch these crooked politicians. All right, I'm going to have to. You and I have to talk about this more in a couple of weeks. We won't <sighs> you know be here right. next week because Fourth of July next week. So, Matt, you have a great 4th of July. I'll see you next time around. Yes, sir. Rebuild10.com. Let's take a break and take some news, and then we're going to talk about Harding. All right. So, Scott, I didn't give you the the rundown here. You can hear me, right? I can. Okay. You did good. You you moved up on the microphone. We're ready here, Zach. We're ready to go. Hey, Scott Hannigan is here. He is the Senior Director of Admissions over at Harding University. He joins us today. Now, we've been talking about over the last few months with folks from Harding about graduate programs. And uh, I take it back. I told you graduate program. last person that was on with me uh, was talking about uh, going overseas and studying. International programs. Yeah, the international programs. And it was very interesting uh, what you guys offered. They came. He came over, in fact, to Joe's Garage because I was doing a live remote over there. So he was very interested in what he had to say. Now, you're coming here. We're going to kind of circle back all the way around and talk about the undergraduate program. Is that kind of what we're going to do today? That's correct. Okay, so I'm I'm interested because, as I was telling you before we went on, my uh, brother-in-law is a preacher, and he went to school at Harding. He is now down in Breckenridge, Texas. My daughter went to Harding, graduated. She is married to a Harding graduate. He works in the oil fields. He's an engineer. And uh, he, they live down in San Antonio. We've got a couple of my grandkids down there. So Harding's close to us. And I believe my sister-in-law uh, went to, uh, to Harding as well. I have to ask Linda about that, and she could tell me. But I think she went to school as well. And it, it's a great university. Thank you. It's a, it's a well—outside of Arkansas, I think it's kind of a well-kept secret. Well, you know, we have— uh a large impact really in all 50 states. We recruit all 50 states as an undergraduate admissions office. And with our affiliation with the Churches of Christ and that connection that Mm -hmm. we have across the country, it allows us to have uh, students from all 50 states and more than 40 different 
uh, foreign countries. And so we have a very diverse student body in terms of geographical diversity. And, uh, and of course, in Arkansas, it's well known. And we would love to, to grow the number of Arkansans graduate from high school that are enrolling at Harding. Well, I, I, I just know that you're really, really good. I've known it for quite some time, and people should be thinking about their children going there. Number one, get a quality education. Number two, you don't get a lot of the crazy stuff that you get in a lot of the public uh, schools of higher learning now. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, I guess your all's branding statement now is a, is a stay close but go far. Yeah, stay Close, Go Far is a, a campaign and a statement that we are making to students here in the state of Arkansas to let them know that they have a phenomenal nationally recognized option right here in their home state. And we feel that there is, um, you know, maybe some students are missing out on considering Harding for a number of different reasons. It, it could be uh, that they don't realize all the things that we have to offer. It could be that we're a private university and maybe cost is somewhat of an issue to them. And uh, and we really just want to encourage more than anything for them to know that we are going to provide them with opportunities to grow and find their their mission, their calling, their purpose in life at the same time that they're getting a world-class education. And uh, that is one thing that's very unique, uh, not only about Harding, but other Christian institutions in higher education, is that we're going to be talking about uh, career and calling all in the same breath. And, and it's not just going to be about getting a piece of paper, uh, a diploma that's going to help them go out and make money. We're, we're going to do that as well. But at the same time, we want to help them figure out what is their calling to do and how we can help them achieve that. All right. So how long have you been doing this? This is my eighth year okay. in undergraduate admissions. So this is this is good because things have changed. They have. Just in eight years. How do you reach young people now, and, and what is it that they're looking for than, than is different when you started eight years ago? Well, there are a couple of things, and we're seeing a number of, of trends that are affecting how we recruit students and what students are wanting to get from their college experience. Um, this is not necessarily uh, what they're looking for, but we do have students that are not as willing to go as far away from home as they once did. And I think that's a good selling point for the students here in Arkansas. Yeah, I've got a kid that hasn't left home yet. He's 36. Oh, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's yeah, still hanging out in the bedroom. Still hanging out, huh? Yeah. And and this uh, and so we're an option that's close to home. And, and of course, students are looking, I think, for um, – a fit for them that is more uh, akin to, you know, being a, a philanthropist and being a, a servant leader and being somebody that can give back to their community. This generation, um, at least those that are looking and considering Harding, are looking for an opportunity to go somewhere where they can serve and that they can look at their vocation as a um, as part of the kingdom work as opposed to just a job. Yeah, now that's something that I will say this young, I won't, I think it's probably the generation after the millennials yeah, gen z or you know, the whatever, z or whatever they're calling them they are from what i'm reading more conservative and also are hooked in working in their community that's something that they're they seem to be very interested in yeah i would say we have more and more questions about what are my service opportunities at harding if i choose to attend there and, of course, we have a plethora of those opportunities. And, and in fact, 
not only has our student association um, reached out to the Searcy community in the greater White County area to do more, you know, we, we always encourage our students to look at Searcy as their their home for the next four years, and we want them to be a part of that community. And, and even more than that, and part of this whole stay close, go far, is we want students to go far personally. We want students to grow and, and be prepared to go out into the world that they're going to face after their time at Harding, but they're actually going to literally go far as well. And so um, we're serving not just the community locally, but we're, we're serving the world in, in what we do at Harding. The world's our campus in a lot of ways, as well as Searcy. Now, it's really important for people to understand that when I was younger, uh, I went to college in 1971, all right? So long time ago. Dirt hadn't even been invented yet. <laughs> uh, but here's the key. I didn't want to go close to home. Mm. During that time of young people growing up, they wanted to get away from home. Now it's more of they people like to kind of stay a little closer mm-hmm. uh, to home. With that in mind, that's where Harding really plays a, a, an integral part as far as higher education is concerned. No doubt. And it's, there's benefits to staying in your home state as well, um, state-funded scholarships and being able to um, take advantage of that, uh, those scholarships that are right here and available to Arkansas students that they wouldn't have if they, if they left the state. And so um, I think that's always an incentive for students and families to consider a, a, sta- uh, a university that's within their home state just for financial reasons. Okay, for a high school student, when, if, when should they be kind of making their mind up where they might want to attend uh, college? I mean, is sophomore year or is it the junior year? And when should you start thinking about reaching out and looking for scholarship money and things of that nature? Well, at Harding, we advise students to begin considering their college options their sophomore year. Uh, it's happening earlier and earlier uh, uh, earlier than it ever has before, and and maybe that's research and finding out what different schools offer, uh, getting online and just exploring some of the different schools that are on their list and beginning to narrow that down. Uh-huh. Um, junior year is the time to really dig deeper and go on a campus visit and spend some time at those maybe three to five universities that you've narrowed it down to and see what they have to offer you face-to-face. And then, uh, and by the way, let me just okay. interrupt you and say, that's really important. It's incredibly important. Go and visit. Don't just look at the pictures and stuff like that on the Internet right. or in the brochure, as I did. But go and visit because that's really important. You'll get a totally different viewpoint. When I, when I would be out on the uh, recruiting trail talking to students and families, I would always say, um, that I've come to see you, now you come to see me, and let me show you all the things I've been telling you about because it really starts to, to take life, and you can see yourself in that picture if you go and put yourself on campus. And, and for us, the community at Harding is really what sets us apart. And meeting the types of people, the types of faculty members, the students, the peers they're going to be with uh, is a real game changer for, for us. And because we're rolling admission, and and what I mean by that is we don't have a set decision period time like some other schools might have, Uh, we even encourage juniors in high school to go ahead and apply for admission. And that early admission is, uh, is great for those students because they can start their senior year 
all the paperwork and all of those things are completed and they can set back in their senior year, maybe take another visit or two. And you can enjoy your senior that's right. year. That's right. That's important. So that we, so we want it to we want it to happen earlier, and we want students to get um, as much information as they can throughout the college uh, decision process, and that that that's advice that's good for any school, Harding or not, you know, to uh, to be on their campus early and often throughout your decision making process, make an informed decision. Uh, I think anybody who's listening right now knows that Harding University is considered one of the top uh, universities for academics, so I don't need to sit here and belay that point, and I will not do that. Uh, We're going to come back after this break, and I just want to talk about some of the common objections because I've I've heard every one of these Mm. when I've talked to people, and you don't know this, but I suggest to people they should look into Harding. Thank you. And, uh, you know, as far as it's too expensive or it seems to be kind of an exclusive, uh, you know, boys club or something like that, and then the big one is, well, I heard that they're really rough on on rules that they have. Mm-hmm. I, I want to get in and help with you dispel. Now, those are myths. They really, really yeah. are. All right, Scott Harrington is our guest. He's Senior Director of Admissions. I'm glad to have him here. we got another, about well, 15 minutes to spend with him. Don't forget about Allstate Insurance and Dwayne Smith's Insurance Agency at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. No matter what kind of insurance you have, whether it's just home or you've got, uh, you know, your car, you've got life, you've got your motorcycle, you've got your boat, you've you got all these different things. How about sitting down with one of the professionals from Dwayne Smith's insurance agency and let them look at your insurance, show you their insurance, and see if they can do one of two things, cut your cost or get you more for what you're paying. Those are the two things that'd be nice. It'd really be nice if they can cut your costs and get you more coverage. That's very possible as well. Call them 501-819-0373. 501-819-0373. They'll set up a time for you. You'll sit down with them. You just bring your insurance policies. They'll sit down with you and show you how much they can help you out at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood at the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. All right, back for the final oh, about 10 minutes here with Scott. Scott, let's talk about some of the, the common myths, I think, about Harding. Uh, when I talk to other kids about it, have you thought about Harding, you know, blah, 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 blah. And first thing that comes out of their mind, out of their mouth, I, I swear to you, is I can't afford that place. Yeah, It's way too expensive for me. It's not a public school. It's a private school. You know, I can't, I can't cough up that kind of money. Tell them why they're wrong. Well, the first thing I'll say is it's not as expensive as most private universities in the country that have an equivalent um, academic ranking and academic reputation like Harding. And so uh, automatically I think people assume, parents and students alike, that I've heard about all these great things about Harding University and, and what they're achieving, and then they hear the average cost of a private university, and they assume that we are in that $40,000, $50,000 price range. And, and in may fact, I say assuming means a certain thing. I won't go into it right now, but it can. You can deter yourself from looking into it and take a, something off the, the table you don't want to. 
I, I agree with that. I think a lot of uh, assumptions are made or at least, you know, they think, well, that's just not an option for me. And because it's not an option for them in their initial research, they never really uh, allow us to get the chance to talk about how we can make it affordable uh, to them. You know, I look at um, U.S. News and World Report, which is a very common uh, college ranking source. Right. And that is a publication that is named Harding one of the best values in higher education in the, in the nation. Uh, it's another publication that consistently puts us in the top 20 of all the regional institutions in the southeast. And on average, the cost of the other 24 schools in that top 25 list with mm-hmm. us is about $43,000 a year, and Harding's 28. And so the no, – Stop. Yeah. 43 for them, 28, 28 for you. That's correct. That, that is not – that should not stop any student from thinking about going to Harding. And that is that is all fixed expenses. That's tuition. That is room and board. That's all of the fixed expenses are in that number. And, uh, and of course, that's before scholarships. That's before state-funded aid. That's before any need-based aid uh, or Pell Grant if you happen to qualify for that. And so the market out there says we could be charging somewhere in the $40,000 mm-hmm. range. And so I encourage students and families all the time to look at Look at value more so than cost. Uh, And also, you have to do what you can afford. But at the same time, Harding has an incredible product, over 100 different majors and 14 pre-professional programs and 20 graduate programs, as you all probably heard on the show before. And we are offering that world-class education at a great value. Well, I've been really taken, and we've had people on about the MBA program that you all had. We've Mm -hmm. talked about going, uh, you know, overseas and, and learning, international learning, things of that nature. And I've been, you know, I've learned a lot. And I thought I knew a lot already, but <laughs> yeah. I've learned even more so. And you guys are seems to seem to be, you know, trying to open up the horizons for Harding University more and more every every year. Yes. All right. Second one. And Can maybe, I say one more thing, yeah, David, about right affordability? Ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, scholarships are incredibly competitive at Harding, and this surprises many people when I say that our starting academic scholarship, um, you know, for a below average ACT score is still $6,000. And again, that is um, that puts us in, in the competition with some of the state universities. And so after scholarships, and if you happen to think, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I came from a single-parent home myself and thought Harding might be out of range. And after doing research and getting uh, grants and things like that, in addition to what the government offers, Harding offers need-based grants as well, need-based aid. And uh, and so Harding can, again, with scholarships and other aid, be much more affordable than maybe even a possible state competitor. Do you guys have work-study? We do have work-study. So That's students. how I made my way through school. Look, I worked at the steel mills during the summer, and then I mm-hmm. went to school, and I had a job uh, on campus every day. Yeah, we've got uh, a large number of on-campus jobs that are available to our students, and so that's another great option to either have spending money or, or help pay for college. Yeah, it works out well. Final question, and and I'm it always <laughs> raises its head, and that is, you know, it's Church of Christ. What kind of rules do you guys have, you know? Mm-hmm. They think it's going to be really draconian, and you go back to the Spanish Inquisition or something. <laughs> uh, no, no, not not quite like yeah. that. Well, I always say you have to come see the community for yourself and talk to the students that are at Harding. And I would say that we have so much fun 
um, and our students are having a blast as uh, doing things with campus life and our social clubs and our NCAA uh, sports and tailgating and all of those things. The things that would happen and very competitive in the very, NCAA, yeah, very competitive, if not one of the one of the best Division two schools out there. And so our students are having a typical college experience as they would be having anywhere. Now, our mission and what we believe and what we stand for um, does have some rules that go along with that. But those rules are not meant to do anything other than to enhance uh, the experience there as a student. And um, one that I hear quite often is, you know, I don't know how I feel about a daily chapel. And it's a half an hour, five days a week, and um, it is a it is a community building opportunity. I mean, our students are together, all in one group, and um, to get together as a, a student body daily in higher education is incredibly rare. Um, matter of fact, all the Ivy League schools um, way way a long time ago would have had some something like this, and to be together and to know what opportunities, what activities uh, are going on on campus is a huge benefit to our students. And again, a lot of the rules in the structure we have are also about safety. And you hear a number of things that are going on on college campuses today uh, because of a lack of, uh, of that, uh, of structure. And we want our students to be safe. We want our students to be successful. And we're going to do all that we can to, to promote that. And again, most of the rules that are talked about among students in high school today are not even uh, accurate or, or not even rules. And, um, or, or maybe they're a rule that's maybe blown up out of proportion in terms of curfew and things like that. Oh, lights out, military-style curfew, and that's, that's not the reality at all. Uh, again, we want our students to be, to be safe. Let me tell you what, if you ever, you've seen Matt Smith, if you've watched my show on here on, on, on the, the internet, hmm. bottom line is he went to Harding. He was postgraduate, hmm. worked on his MBA there. Good guy. Doesn't look like a typical Harding student, does he? I'm just saying, right. what is a typical Harding student? Why don't you visit and find out? That's what, exactly what, what right. do they need to do? Who do they need to call? Well, the undergraduate admissions uh, team is excited to host anyone for a personal visit, and so you can call uh, our 800 number, 800-477-4407. That gets you directly to the undergraduate admissions office, 800-477-4407, or head to the website, harding.edu slash visit. Uh, we have visit days. Uh, One-day visit day is called Black and Gold, or weekends that we call Bison Days, but we are wanting to host you for a personal visit. Uh, here in, in the Pulaski County area, we have a representative that is just for this county. And cool. her, her name is Summer, and she would love to spend time with any student or family in this area that would love to come over and see our campus and, most importantly, meet the people that are a part of our campus, our students and faculty members. All right. Scott Hannigan, Senior Director of Admissions. You did a great job, man. Thank you very much. You got it all in there. You did. Harding University, if you haven't thought about it, you need to. Again, give that phone number again. 800-477-4407, harding.edu. That's what you got to do. All right. Thank you, you, Scott. We'll have you back on in the near future. Coming up to Geek Squad, Tim Lim is just around the corner on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. Last two hours of the show. We haven't done this in a while. It's been a couple of months since we've... We've uh, convened the Geek Squad, and they're here today. That's because Tim Lim ran away from home, 
and Josh ran away from home. And uh, Mark, you know, you got to put in a big time kind of uh, reservation in. Yeah, he's hard to come by. Though here's the funny thing: we actually had a powwow last night because we ran. Into I heard him. you guys ran into each yeah, other. Yeah, by accident. Though I guess it's a small, small town. It's a small world. We <laughs> Fates are coming together. This is where right. goes. They're playing their pieces. Okay, now I'm kind of excited today. Kinda. All right, just to let you know, because uh, Shane Stacks has been helping me out with this one, and we're going to have Earthworm Jim. Mm-hmm. here today we are i am going and i'm going to depend on you guys to help me out because i have to be honest with you i'm not all that up on this guy but shane told me oh. dave he wants to be on your show and i said okay <laughs> you're gonna make him really great guy i hear yeah. he's very pro-military and i'm looking looking forward to that that what's his name doug is doug that right? Tenable. okay and he's a big tim Lim fan i heard yeah he and i get along famously a uh, very friendly guy. Uh, I was actually on his show not too long ago, I think on Monday or Tuesday. Um, but he is an entertainer, and his campaign, which is his revival of Earthworm Jim, the comic, I think they've just crossed the, the $340,000 Yeah, he's got some bucks there, I'm just telling you. Yeah, and he's a stand-up guy. Mark Pellegrini and I love him. He's really cool. Uh, he has, He's a man of principle. He means what he says. And he supports he says the military. He mm-hmm. He does. He's going to donate big. books to, I think it's Beale Air Force Beale, Base. Down, yeah. in, uh, down in Louisiana. Yep. Absolutely. So I'm actually going to have to put an ad out um, in about 30 minutes just reminding people to tune in because that's going to be pretty big at 5 o'clock. Is well, we want him, him on. yeah. People, I've had people text me and say, do you have an Earthwind? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know this guy, but I'm I'm always, it's just like Dixon, having Dixon on, you know? Uh-huh. When he came on, that was for me, that was big, and I didn't know him from comic books. Mm-hmm. I know him from his novels that he's I'm written. I'm sad because I missed that day. Oh, he! Oh, I've had him on three times. Oh, now. have you? I was, I was probably, I was flooded in a lot of those times, probably. Yeah, yeah, but he was good. He was, he's really good. We need to get him back on again. Oh, absolutely. See what's going on with him. He's working closely with you again, isn't he? No, he's. Um it's kind of under wraps, but he is working closely with Sylvester Stallone right now, working on the Levon series. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah see, I, I'm hoping Stallone plays Levon. Well, and I think this is, uh, I, I don't think this is a secret, but I'm pretty sure he broke the news on your show. <laughs> like, yeah, well, he sure did. He that... ta- we talked about it. Yeah. We talked about it, but it's so cool. And I forgot about that. But if you haven't read those books, because you know, I've got this thing with um, Amazon that I pay like $19 a month, and I can read as much as I want mm-hmm. at no charge. And I got hold of Chuck's book, Levon, the first one, and now I have read every book he has written. Really? Wow. Yeah, he is a great writer. He he knows how to pace a, a book. He's really good about um, action, adventure, and uh, I really, really enjoy his stuff. And the Levon books are excellent. When he brought his daughter into the, the mix, it really got good. He is the most prolific writer in comics history. Someone actually sat down and counted how many words he's written for every comic. And um, I oh think my lord, he has the record as of last year. Unbelievable. That's a lot of words. It is a, a lot, lot of words. words. Yeah. And when you get him on the air, it's a lot of words. I'm just <laughs> telling you, the man can talk. He's good, though. Hey, it's better than people who can't. There are some people you have oh, on the show. Oh, yeah, I don't have to pull. And, yeah, it's like pulling teeth sometimes. And it's and that and that's not fun. No. Uh-uh. It isn't fun. 
It's like having a limb on, you know. It's like pulling teeth sometimes. I know. I'm just kidding on that one. Just kidding. Mark is not that way either. It's not pulling teeth with him. Josh can. It depends on what kind of mood he's in when he shows. He was smiling today, so I figured it would go easy today. I'm. I'm just glad that we're on the same page about. I was going to tell you something, but you told me before I could tell you. Now is that cool? <laughs> Don't you think? That, I, I was talking to him. I, in fact, I was talking about first hour. Uh, had Matt Smith here. And I was talking about San Diego Comic-Con comes up in the next month. And I said, I wish I could go. Cause it Toho, starts two weeks from Wednesday. Yeah, mm-hmm. Toho is going to be there, Toho Studios. How cool. First time ever they've gone. I can't believe it's been they have never made themselves available for that. Just amazing. I mean, Toho Studios is all things Godzilla. There's no, I mean, I'm waiting for Mark to get here. He'll he'll join me in in our adoration. I have the list of things they're going to have at the booth. You'll get down on my knees. I'm not worthy, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. Okay, go ahead. Read them off. All right. It was first reported by Screehonk.com, which is the, you know, that's the official Godzilla sound of his roar. Okay. It's uh, they're going to have a a green screen photo booth for Godzilla pictures. So I've got to get me a new Godzilla shirt for that. Okay. Now, is it going to be a picture where you're the same height as Godzilla or are they going to say show Godzilla and you're going to be really small next to him? Knowing how these studios have set up at Comic-Con, I see them doing several different versions, and you get to pick which one you want to do. Okay. Like they did that with the Dragon Ball Tour last year. You could be powering up or you could be fighting. Okay. That's cool. Uh-huh. And they're going to have a live mural painting by uh, one of the famed Godzilla artists. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. That's a large area he's yeah. painting, too. And they're going to have, like what you, you we were talking about, they're going to have the actual suit used from Godzilla 2000. We could put Tim in that. Yeah, I'm not tall enough. <laughs> and they're going to have other um, props throughout the different films through the history. That'd be cool. And I mean, it, it says, sounds uh, like a lot of fun. They're going to have exclusive Godzilla products to buy. Well, of course. And I saw one of them is that one of the NECA Godzillas is going to be a Godzilla with clear dorsal fins of the original Godzilla. Okay. NEC, they make some neat Godzilla toys. Like if you go over to Target... Go back to the toy section. They've got a NECA King Kong versus Godzilla. And people, they, what is it, oogly-eyed, whatever, because it's got one eyes going one way or the other. Yeah. But that's what his suit looked like in the movie. So i got to ask you a question. Okay. Because right? Tim and I last week talked about this. Gamma. Mm-hmm. Are you a big Gamma fan? The big turtle? Oh, I've, I've seen some of them, but, you know, it's funny. He was a knockoff, and then Toho incorporated him. But I, I just could never... I think I just need to sit down and just make time and just watch some. Because from Tim, and I'm going to find out because I'm a, I hope Mark's ready to be interrogated because I'm interrogating him about this today. He's a big <laughs> Gamma fan, right? Yeah, and you know who you know who else is a really big fan of all of that? Doug Tenable. Oh, really? So, okay, between so the, we can get them going on Between this. the three of you guys talking about kaiju monsters, yeah. it's going to be a hootenanny. <laughs> I mean, Doug Tenaple <laughs> is a huge Godzilla fan, a huge Gamera fan. Like He just loves giant monsters. He, <laughs> he says that Godzilla King of the Monsters was probably the best movie he's seen like in a decade. Oh, it's, oh, it's great. Fantastic. Yes. You I loved saw it, it didn't in you? the IMAX. I saw it in regular. And in, I cried the first time. I, saw, I like, cried like two different places. And not like sad. It was just that emotion. (laughs) Like it was, you know, in the scene in Boston, you know, after the whole uh, orca or what was it called? Okay. And they uh, set up the thing with Millie Bobby Lewis, and she set up the uh, thing to make to attract the monsters to Boston. She didn't make it. Her mom made it. She stole it. Well, when she plugged it in, (laughs) and then you know Ghidorah's there, right? And 
all of a sudden you you just hear that roar and she turns and she smiles and you look and it's Godzilla and for the first time in history he it's like he points his finger and he has like the military just strike just oh, flies behind right him, over yeah. him, you know coming in from behind him. It's it's usually the always, military's always been fighting him but this time military was with him and he was leading the charge it was just he was a true hero yeah i was just like i just stopped was like y'all let me savor this moment <laughs> i went and saw it with shane stacks all right shane stacks it was as like i was at the wwe back in the day mm-hmm. he was yelling and cheering and jumping up and down. he was going nuts man <laughs> I mean, if i'd been his wife i'd been like sweetheart calm down <laughs> does he talk during movies a little. He talks to himself. He doesn't oh, he talk to you. You know, he talks to. He talks at the screen. Does too. he argue with himself? <laughs> no, I hadn't, didn't hear him arguing with himself. But he was, did. He nudge you with his elbow. <laughs> yes, he did that. We both. <laughs> now I'm going to be honest. We both did that because what I loved about that movie was that all the Easter eggs. That oh, were it was in fan it. service the, all in your face. All the all the music and everything that was in it. It took me back to you know Here, did, 1955 did you, when did I saw Godzilla. Did you also notice like the big Easter egg of the movie? What was that? The uh, Mothra twins. Oh yeah, I, I talked had to, to I tell had to about see it that twice when I realized. And, and I thought it was the, the two same, scientists. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought they were the same person until I saw it the second time. Like. Oh, I mean, because I got it from the pictures when they showed the pictures saying they're the third generation. And I was like, oh. When we come back from the first break, though, I will play something that I missed. That I, that I, bye, Russ. (laughs) Russ is going home early today. I don't care. Thank you. Zach is here. Anyway, when we come back, I'm going to play something that I was hoping that would be in the new Godzilla movie, but I couldn't figure out how they would make it happen. Godzuki? Right. But, yeah, well, shh. we'll talk about it here when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Geek Squad is in the studio. Godzilla fan, you know what we're playing here. Now, we were mentioning before we went to the break about the twins that are in the Mothra movies. And uh, the twins are mentioned in the new Godzilla movie as well. Both of them are scientists now, is uh, the parts that they play. I just, turn that up. I I just kept wondering if they would... They would start like singing to each other or something, and we'd get this. And we didn't. They did not play the music. Do you guys remember? Okay, let me let that go. You remember in in the the first movie with Mothra? They were like, they had these kind of sexy little costumes on, and they were. Don't and, remember that. And they were dancing in front of the egg. Do you remember that? I don't remember the costumes. I do remember the dancing. And singing, and singing this, the Mothra, you know, before. And then every time that the Japanese businessman, oh, this is going to be our new attraction. I'm going to kidnap you. <laughs> yes, yes. And they'd be in the hotel room doing put the them, Mothra song. And, and they put them in the little cage. And the little kids are like, please tell Mothra not to destroy Japan. They're like, <laughs> okay, we will. Just set us out in the window so Mothra can see us. Yeah, it's hilarious. It was like, it's like Godzilla movie. was great when it was serious, which was the first two movies. <laughs> <laughs> After that, 
after that they started for whatever reason they started getting kind of getting serious silly is an understatement they got silly i mean i cannot wait to next year for godzilla versus king kong mm-hmm. because this will be the ultimate throwdown that i've been waiting for since i was about eight years old when they they did it you know because i thought that was going to be like a great movie and it was a dog it really was Hope, hopefully they don't mess it up no oh. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity to the, mess it up. The guy so. that's directing it, if they could have got a director that could mess it up, he's the one. I'm just saying. He's the guy who gave us the, the, the second Blair Witch that was terrible, and he gave us the VHS movies, which were okay, but not the best. I'm just hoping that, you know, he's a lover of Godzilla and King Kong and can put it together because this last guy just did such a stellar job of it. I read a, a leaked synopsis. I don't know if it's true or not, but it said that the same guy leaked it, leaked this one, and it came true. But it it's going to be good. And but and it's like, you know, it's kind of like how they did through the Easter eggs of the, the newspaper clippings. Yeah. I mean, Skull Island is like now the modern-day Monster Island. Well, yeah. It's been that way. Kind of like know? at the, you know, I just, I just like when Rodan bows to godzilla and the movie was just like oh wow and you know what that was going on and my wife was sitting next to me i leaned over i said there's one dude that will not bow down to him <laughs> <laughs> there's one dude out there that ain't gonna bow down and he'd been growing since his movie was mm-hmm. out and his movie was in people forget his movie was in the 70s yeah he'd been so growing he's been he's been growing for uh 40 years yeah yeah he's gonna be a big man He's going to be the same size as Godzilla. It's going to be pretty cool. Is that what they said, height-wise? Yeah. I, they're I, going to be pretty much eyeball to eyeball when they throw down. They're both going to have WWE shirts on. I'm, You know, they're going to have cage their, match. They're going to have their own music. It's going to be... <laughs> it's going to be beating chess. <laughs> it's going to be great, man. All, well, you know Godzilla's going to beat his chess. Mm-hmm. He's got to do that. That's going to be... And then evidently the Skull Crushers are going to be in the new movie. Hmm. Did you see where they're they're supposed to play a part in it? Huh. I don't know, but I I know if you've seen you know the post credit scene, you know it's going to be some uh, in DNA and engineering and stuff going on. Yeah, pretty pretty. What's his name? Uh, King was it Charles? Was it uh, the guy who played that used to have this, Tywin Lannister? That had the yeah Charles Dance that had the uh, happy face eyeball. I'm hoping to give him that. For the new movie, because he's going to be in it, because he was in the, the the little scene at the end of Godzilla. You know where he was from, Last Action Hero. Huh. You, you don't remember that? It's well, been he so had long. The, he had the eyeball with the happy face on it. I got a picture of it. I've Hold actually on. never seen that movie. Yeah, a lot of people said it was really, really bad, and I didn't, think it, movie. I didn't think it was all that bad, to be honest. Well, it's was kind it? of like um, Godzilla King of the Monsters. The critical score is not good, but I think... It's going to be an instant cult classic. Most people I've talked to who love Godzilla, they love that movie. It's going to be one of those where people go back to it because most of the critics were like, oh, the humans. It's like watching, you know, a naughty movie. Do you watch a naughty movie for the story? No. You don't watch a Godzilla movie for the story. It's a monster movie. I, you watch it Josh, I don't watch naughty movies, <laughs> period. <laughs> of course not. No. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, man. It's uh, you know when I the watch, listeners can't see you winking. When I watch Godzilla, <laughs> I watch Godzilla to watch him destroy stuff. 
I'm looking at Zach because Zach, see, this is where Zach and I disagree about Godzilla. Oh, I've got. He I have wanted, to pull up the picture. Got, he wanted more of a. Uh, what was it you wanted? You wanted more of a. Uh, well, see, I story love, behind it. Yeah, because I love Kong Skull Island. Because yeah, what, what are you going to watch Kong Skull Island for? You're going to watch it for Kong, right? That's right. But the story around those monsters was pretty good. And I love Kong Skull Island. Exactly. See, you you agree with? See, I loved it as well. And they could have done better with that because I felt that every time a human was on the screen, I was like, um, you're dumb. Get off my screen. Go I, away. I think what they did with Kong Skull Island that made it work was they had an A-list um, cast. Yeah. And so it made it so that they were kind of invested in their roles. And right. it, it made the movie a lot more well-rounded. You exactly. Could watch, you could watch it for different – you could come at it at different angles. Yeah. And you'll still walk away thinking it was a good movie. I've actually seen Kong Skull Island more than I have Godzilla. Mm-hmm. 2014. And see, I, I told Dave this a couple of weeks ago that if you combine the directors of Kong Skull Island and the one who just did Godzilla King of the Monsters, you have the guy who just did this recent movie. He could do all the monsters part. You know, he could do all that. But the guy who directed the movie for Kong Skull Island, if he could do, do everything else, I think you can have a great movie. But, you know, we got another guy. So and, and I am worried about this new director. I, I really am. I mean, anybody who saw the the you know Blair Witch Two knows how bad that movie was. It was terrible. You know, uh, with technology, you know, know something really weird is uh, I went back and watched the Godzilla nineteen eighty five. There's something crazy I noticed. I never okay. noticed before until we saw it in HD. Well, we will talk about that when we come back. Tim Lim's here. Josh is here. Dave Ellswick show news is next. And uh, you put in your car and you're on your way and you don't have to worry about. Buying a new car and having a monthly payment or buying an OEM engine and paying five, six thousand dollars for it when you can get it from Sonny's and get it for fifteen hundred bucks. I'm just telling you, you save a lot of money and uh, you get uh, great performance. All you need to do is call them 982 7451. 982 7451. That's the number. Talk to the professionals at Sonny's. Auto Salvage. Tim Lim is here, and uh, Josh is here. Uh, Mark's coming, and uh, we got Earthworm Joe coming. He's coming at 5 o'clock. And, yeah, if you say, who's Earth or Earthworm Joe? Well, we'll learn about him uh, together because I don't know him all that well, but I'm going to tell you what. Uh, Shane knows him really well and said he's great. Tim knows him and says he is the, he's definitely somebody who needed to have on the show. Mark's the same way. Do you know about this guy, Josh? I don't know about him, but I know about Earthworm Jim. Okay. so you, Oh, it's Jim, not Joe. Right, it's Jim. I was showing Joe. All right. That's okay. See, like, that shows you how much I know. So I'm looking forward to having him on because I understand that he is really well known. Come out with this. He's coming out with these new comics. He's relaunching the Earthworm comics. And he's doing a uh, go not GoFundMe. It's the other one. Indiegogo. Indiegogo. And uh, they passed. The three hundred and sixty thousand dollar mark. I had looked that up today, and I think it was like three hundred and sixty four thousand dollars right now. What I really like about Doug, though, is that he's an outspoken Christian conservative, and he makes no bones about it. He is very open about his beliefs. He doesn't flaunt it in your face, but he sticks up for it whenever he gets approached by it. There's a lot of people on the right who shy away from it, especially in, in comic books. I mean, like Mark knows that we've gotten a lot of flack from colleagues who are telling us to knock it off. And he's always been encouraging. Like, he's always told us to keep it up, 
This is what you do best. And we like the fact that he does the same thing, too. So he's a man of principle. Okay, so what are they telling you that you should knock off? You're, it's very successful what you're doing. They don't like us making Trump books. They think, they, think it lionize, they, yeah, they think it lionizes the president too much. And it's like, have you read Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Slayer or Vampire Hunter? Have you read any of the books that the left puts out? I mean, we not only can compete with them, but we do it better. And we do it to the point where it's amusing. Even people on the left who read our books, they legitimately think it's funny. And so that's kind of ironic that we get more encouragement from people on the left telling us to continue than we do on the right. I mean, we have people who they pretty much like badmouth Mark and I on a daily basis saying those guys need to knock it off. They need to knock it off. And Doug Tenable's, They're making fun of the president. Well, we're not, even, we're not even making fun of the president. I know you're and not. So, uh, and Doug, you're gross. And we're gross, too. And Doug Naples has always been very encouraging. <laughs> I and saw so, that. But, I, I couldn't help it. So uh, You're gross? <laughs> there was a, a person who friended me last week. And what I do is on Facebook, I, do, I delete all friend requests if I don't know who you are. But I will vet you in terms of if I see that we have mutual friends in common, uh, then I will say, okay, well, if this person's friends with these people, then it seems like they're an okay guy. It's a probation friend period. Right. So I, <laughs> I friended this person on, on Facebook. He sent me the request. I didn't send him the request. And then uh, on Monday or on Tuesday, uh, the District Herald, which is a site run by Cassandra Fairbanks, who works for the Gateway Pundit, and she's an independent journalist. She wrote an article about us, and it was very praiseworthy. It said, here are the artists and creators working on pro-Trump books, and it was about Mark and I. So this guy who friended me on Facebook, he shares the link, and he says, gross. So I'm thinking to myself, buddy, you you came to me <laughs> yeah. and friended me. I accepted the invitation, and your introductory message is gross. Like, so you're out of here now. So I said, you're out of here now. And of course, like his friends come in and they say, oh, are you too thin skinned that you can't take some criticism? And I was like, one, that's not criticism. That's just a pejorative. Second of all, read the look at my me- the, the hit pieces by Media Matters, Salon.com, Vice, the Mary Sue. I have very thick skin. I am just saying, if you're coming onto my turf, friending me, which is an olive branch and using that as an opportunity to throw shade at me. Yeah, I don't have to take that. So I, I just said, you know, he said, throw shade. I love that, man. <laughs> throw He's... shade, throw salt. And then he took <laughs> yeah. a screenshot of his comments and was like, yeah, look at this guy. <laughs> He's triggered. It's like, no, nah, I think someone else is triggered. Someone's yeah. just looking to fight or someone's just being dumb, not realizing, oh, that's that guy in the article. That's Dude. one part of social media I don't like, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. They don't even know you. They have no clue. And then they start saying some of the most ridiculous stuff. Well, and people who I know who are on the left uh who are who are friends you'll notice that we don't have spats with each other because part of civil discourse is they know who i am personally mm-hmm. and i know that they tell people in private i don't like his politics but he's a nice guy and he's not going to talk politics with you if he knows your politics if he knows you're on the left and even if he doesn't know what your politics are he's not going to bring it up not unless you ask him and so i do the same thing i know people on the left and i don't agree with their politics but we're friends and i'm not going to throw that away just for the sake of of uh you know political um opinion and so i think it's very it's very different when you have friends and family who are able to understand how civil discourse works Uh, i think that's very key well it's something that has been sadly lacking for a lot of people because for here's the key if you would not say what you're saying on facebook or twitter or whatever directly to somebody else's face then just shut up. Right. 
then you don't need to be saying it. Uh, that's that's the key because if you're if that what you're saying just to get a rise or whatever, uh, I don't get you. Mm-hmm. Now you can go ahead and say it. I can just tell you right now that I'll expel you from my Facebook fast. Uh, by the way, people who have been trying, we've had problems over the last about six months, Elizabeth and I, of people who have been trying to take over my Facebook, and so we're always having had always been having to change our password mm-hmm. like three and four times a day sometimes. Wow. So we've we've gotten that cleared up now. Here, here's what's going to happen. You come to me and ask for me to uh, befriend you, and it doesn't say that you have some friends already with me on my Facebook or um, my Twitter account or whatever. I'm not letting you in. I'm just bottom line. And secondly, I'm, I'm not going to let you in. If it says at the bottom, uh, this this uh, this po- Facebook or whatever uh, was just started, right? And if you just started, it ain't happening. You, you, I'm putting on there. Nope, don't want to talk to you. Done. I'll tell you. Uh, I don't think Josh knew about this. Cause I didn't re- reveal this part because honestly, I wanted that whole thing to just kind of end on its own. But that same day that happened, I got like five friend requests from five different people. And I deleted every single one because I would scroll down the page. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they were thinking because it would say, uh, you know, uh, Jane Doe has sent you a friend request. And I would look. And I didn't even have to go halfway down the page until you find something like anti-Trump or identifies as liberal mm-hmm. or has their pronouns listed. So I just thought to myself, what are you guys trying to do? You're, kind, you're trying to friend me just so you can just start stuff? Like how idiotic do you have to be to think that I'm not going to try and vet you thoroughly? Well, yeah. So, and you've got to do that now. I'm just saying. This, like this, this, this is a game the left likes to play. Twice and I, so I look at their page and I just see um, white people this, white people this, white people this. I'm like, no. <laughs> Josh, you're not white. Uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm an American. You're pro, <laughs> you're pro crack, uh, what is it, uh, you're caveman looking guy. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Pro crow magnon. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. That's what I was looking for, but it was, it was not making it through my mouth correctly. Let's take a break, and we'll come back. We'll finish up this hour. Don't forget, we got some great guests coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Shane Stacks might stop by today. We hope to see him as well on the Dave Ellswick Show. Well, here's the reason it was good, but it wasn't great. It's it's like I went and saw the new Men in Black movie. All right, I enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. And everybody goes, yeah, but, you know, they just keep doing that thing with the aliens and stuff. Well, that's the stick for the movie, and I can't, I can't un- unsee the first movie. All right, so it takes away that part of the movie from me. It's just watching, and I happen to like that they have aliens that are looking like people. Well, know? Men in Black is one of those franchises. By the way, this is Mark Pellegrini. I just showed up, but um, uh, Men in Black. We let one him those... come in off the street. <laughs> I snuck in, yeah. <laughs> But uh, Men in Black is one of those franchises that has a lot of potential outside of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. They already established in the first movie that it's an international organization, an intergalactic organization. I mean, you can tell lots of great stories uh, with other characters in that universe. Um, They just have to make (laughs) make good stories. I thought this. Did you see this one? I have not seen it. It's Um, not bad. Yeah, no, I really liked the Men in Black cartoon from uh, from the 90s, the Men in Black, the series. It was actually a very excellent show. I'd say it was better than the actual movie sequels that they made. I know some people like Men in Black 3. I didn't, I wasn't so big on it. It's but all right. The TV series was fantastic. So, I mean, there is room to tell 
good stories with Men in Black. Um, they just don't always do so. <laughs> no, I thought this was all right. I mm-hmm. thought that uh, Helmsworth was good, and uh, the lady that was in the Thor movie that with him that played his partner was mm-hmm. excellent. And I thought they had good chemistry, and I enjoyed the movie. You know, some of the, there was a couple parts in it I'll, I'll agree were kind of hokey. You know, pulling you know guns out of the car and all that kind of stuff. The mm-hmm. Defender was just kind of a gun and all of that. But that's kind of a 007 type of uh, takeoff. Yeah. And uh, Liam Neeson's in it. How can you go wrong with Liam Neeson? Come on. Yeah. So who does he play in that movie exactly? He plays uh, the head of the British division of the I, Men in Black. Uh, he's not playing a character named Alpha, is he? No. Can't remember you know, I'd have to look it up, uh, okay. but yeah, he yeah, might. So, so Alpha was a character from the TV show, and a lot of people were kind of like um, guessing that maybe he's playing that character from the series and the movie, but it doesn't sound like it. I think I'd, uh, people would have <laughs> spoiled that for me well, right I'm, now if he was. If you haven't seen it, too bad, because I'm just... Yeah. It's, it's going to be leaving theaters pretty it, soon. Yeah, it's not it's, doing really well. <laughs> okay. I'm looking this up. Because Tessa Thompson is the, uh, yeah, he's the lady alpha. that's in there. He's not bummer. They must have... High T. Oh, high T. Okay. Well, yeah. they missed an opportunity there. That's a bummer. Yes, but he okay. plays Agent High T. Mm-hmm. Emma Thompson plays Agent O. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, the other guy, uh, Hemsworth. Rafe Spall, yeah. Agent C. Yeah. The one that I missed totally in this movie, which blew me away because I really like her as an actress, but I didn't even recognize her, is Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. She played. Riza, who is the love interest of uh, Hemsworth, and I didn't even recognize it. She's got three arms in the movie, <laughs> and it's pretty cool. Hmm. I, I like that when they can fool me completely like that because I kept watching for her because I knew she was in the movie and didn't know until I went home and looked on IMDb that she was that character. I went, Wow. You know, in Godzilla, it took me, because I haven't seen it a second time, but someone had to show it to me. But the the girl who plays the scientist with the twin that's a throwback to Mothra. Yeah. That's Zhang Zhiyi. Like, she, I haven't seen her since Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, she, oh, wow. She, she had, was big. Yeah. And yeah. hero. A yeah. hero, yeah. Well, I got to say that if she was in Crouching Tiger, she's aged phenomenally well. <laughs> I know, because I remember seeing it and thinking to myself, that girl looks familiar, like I've seen her before. Have you seen Michelle Yao? Michelle Yao is in her 60s. She looks like she's in her 30s. Yeah? Oh, my God, she's good looking. It's Still. Like, um, <laughs> it's amazing. It's like Chow Yun Fat. Still yeah. looks the same. It hasn't aged. Yeah, well, Chow Yun Fat just needs to lose some weight. Yeah, <laughs> get the fat off. Just he did, boy. Yeah, yeah, he... he, he Got into the chow, yeah. of course. Yeah, that's what he did. He, those guys made some great movies. And Samuel L. Jackson's de-aging almost. Yeah, he's kind of... Jack, uh, Jurassic Park compared to, like, Nick Fury, it's like, he looked older in Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think he was, he was kind of plump in Jurassic Park, as I recall, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I got to tell you what. You, know, you start talking about movies from Asia, and uh, Jet Li still looks great. You know, he doesn't look like he's uh, hardly aged at all. I haven't seen him in anything since I can't even recall the last thing I saw you know, him in. Jeez. As far as, as that go, Jackie Chan, he doesn't yeah. look bad uh, in that. That last movie he did, The Foreigner, was yeah. not bad. It was pretty mm-hmm. good. Of course, he didn't help himself when he talked about how great the Chinese government was. Yeah, well, they, they probably have his uh, his relatives. Yeah, somewhere in a, sa- in a safe place. Yeah. But, uh, what can I say about that? But, yeah, it, it's interesting 
Michelle Michelle uh, Yao, you got uh, the lady that you were just talking about. I can't remember her Zhang name. Zhi. Yeah. I mean, all of them are really good. And I highly recommend, and it's one of the reasons that I, I keep Netflix, is because if you want to watch Asian cinema, those are really, that's a great way of seeing it. You can dig up a lot of stuff. That I'm I'm big. I I don't have names here. Okay, I like the guy that's from Thailand that did uh, what was it uh, the raid mm-hmm. and all and uh, they, they they come at night and and all of that. Eco Ukais. something. Yeah, that eco. Yeah, he's going to be uh, a person that's going to be really good in American films because he worked hard and he's learning English very where he can speak it well. Uh, in that last uh, movie, was it twenty? Was it About 20? twenty-one? Yeah, he he spoke it really, really well. Now Tony Jaa, who's really good as well, has not been as good of an English student, and that's why yeah. it slowed down his uh, his career. He's he's in that new movie with Mia, mm-hmm. uh, Monster Hunters or something like that. That's coming out well, later. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that the the failure to really like grasp English that. They, they said the same thing seven years ago about Bela Lugosi because his career um, got outpaced by Boris Karloff's and he kind of, you know, he eventually became a heroin addict and kind of like died in poverty. But uh, the reason his career never um, went past Dracula very much, he never really escalated past a certain point is because he never learned his, the language well. Yeah, his, he had that Hungarian accent that was, you know, one of his trademarks, but he just never became really fluent in English. And so every time he talked, he just sounded like Dracula and he couldn't play any other roles. And I mean, he, he was in some great movies after Dracula. I love like the Black Cat and the Raven, those yeah. films. But um, he just he could only play a character, and every time he talked, it's like, oh, that's Dracula talking. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, that's really true. The most underrated character actor in filmdom was Vincent Price. Oh, I'd, underrated? I'm not sure. I mean, I worship Vincent Price, but I guess maybe not everybody else does. No, a lot of people don't. I'm just saying he's underrated. Oh, he really no, he, is. I mean, in the horror genre, he's really underrated because they say, well, he just made a bunch of Corman movies. So what? Oh, they were great. He was great in all of them. I mean, uh, Pit and the Pendulum is my favorite uh, Vincent Price yeah, movie. Yeah, it's that, good. I mean, that, really good. Like Last Man on Earth, that's another really good one. He could play different types of characters and people don't really realize they always kind of think of him as as playing the same diabolical madman but he played pathetic characters and he played you know I liked when he played fives i mean he was great oh, yeah. as fives it was fives was one great. of his best because he wore like a lot of makeup on that one he couldn't even really see his face that it was vincent price half the time unless he was wearing the fake mask in it but in the movie he's he's just fantastic in that one and then he got to act next to one of my favorite female actresses of all time mm-hmm. diana rigg oh yeah and the first one or the second five? I can't. This is the first one. First one, yeah. yeah. She was. You know, do you guys even know who Diana Rigg is? No. Okay. Uh, when you look it up. Okay. <laughs> the The Avengers, not like oh, Emma the Avengers. Peel. Uh, Emma Peel. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. She was fantastic in the day. She was the bomb. I'm just you know, <laughs> it's a bottom line of how that went, and uh, you know, it was great for me to watch how she has aged and then came into Game of Thrones. She's a great actress. <laughs> And was really she? She just totally did not want to be, you know, the whole sex appeal thing. She didn't want anything to do with that, and it was just it was just put on her. Patrick <laughs> McGee said, "You can't change your looks, girl." You know, she was that. That was uh, such great movies. You ever watched the Avengers? Go the, back the and old watch TV them. series. Yeah. I watched the movie, and it was horrible. Oh, uh, the movie, yeah, the Sean Connery movie. Oh, and before, no. yeah, before anyone says, before anyone calls angry, I mean the Sean Connery. 
um, Emma, what's her name? Uma Thurman. Emma, Uma Thurman, Uma Thurman. Yeah. movie. Well, it no. wasn't. Was it? That wasn't Sean. It was Sean. It was Sean Connery. Was Ralph, he's playing Sean Connery, Patrick McGee's character. Yeah. It okay. Was, it I didn't think. Awful. I thought that was Ralph Fiennes that played that. Uh, Sean Connery was a bad guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. when I think of bad Sean Connery movies. I think about the League, one about the... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. Oh, the oh, one that killed his career. Stink, stink, stink. That was bad. It stinks. Yeah, I mean, if, if Zardox couldn't kill your career and that one could, that tells you how bad it was. Well, that just made him not just... It didn't just kill his career. It made him, like, throw his hands up and say, I'm just done making movies. Yeah, and he, he quit. sick of it. And he's been retired since then. And that movie was, like, 15 years ago. That's more amazing. That. Yeah. yeah. He don't... Ew, that's when those He wouldn't be very good on like the big the screen movie. anymore. I mean, his story. age has caught up with him now. Uh, I haven't seen any pictures. Of them, but I not, assume it's not, probably not, not pretty. pretty. Yeah. It is not pretty. All right, we've got to get a break. We'll come back. Earthworm Jim is coming up. I have no idea. I just, I'm doing this because Shane uh, Stacks told me he wants to be on my show. So we're going to have him on the show. Everybody listening who's 30 knows what Earthworm Jim okay, is. Okay, yeah. I'll, I used to be 30. We love Doug. <laughs> we've got more coming here in just a few moments. Godzilla fan. Yeah, well, I'm a Godzilla fan, but here's the big thing. Did you see where Toho's going to be at uh, Comic-Con in in, uh, in San Diego? Oh, I did not. Yeah. That see? is awesome. Yeah. I'm all I'm all about this. And Mark uh, is here as well as Tim uh, is here. Josh, I don't oh, know. Good. You don't know Josh. Maybe you don't want to know Josh. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll be careful around Josh. There you go. Uh, you might. Let me check him out first. Okay, we'll give you a chance. By the way, it's it's nice to have another conservative join us here on the show. Yeah, hardcore. Yeah, have, the needle. Have you Very watched needle conservative? Have you watched uh, Have you watched any of the uh, the stuff that we've done on uh, the internet? So you know. Oh yeah. You like yeah, our studio? Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I, you know, I came from. I'm from uh, originally from L.A. back in the day when uh, the Answer carried uh, Ben Shapiro in the morning. Yes, so I would listen to them, and of course, I've been listening to Prager since ninety. 1999, I think I started listening to Prager, Hewitt, Medved, all the gang, Gallagher. Yeah, Doug, Doug Tappanall is a uh, big fan of Salem Radio, and we appreciate that, yeah. Doug. We really, really do. So before we go any further, because we're going to get into Godzilla, and I understand you're as big of a Godzilla fan as I and Mark are. Is that true? Oh, good, good. You're a big Godzilla fan, right? I'm on fire, Godzilla. I, I, the, uh, I, I, I got the $180 Ghidra model coming to me. Not the model, but the uh, the big giant H&R action figure. SH Figure Arts Monster Arts. The Monster Arts? Yeah. With the, yeah, with the stands that hold the wings up? Yeah, yeah. This thing's going to be huge. I've got, I've got one on order, too. Yeah, yeah, you talk, you know, you talk to Josh. You can talk Sugar to Josh. <laughs> now, Josh is the guy who collects so much. St- you got how much stuff do you have? How many tens of thousands of dollars do you have? I don't know too much. I have I have plenty. I mean, that's, that's your, why I was worried about you, my now, are, it's your are retirement. Are you Godzilla only? Are you oh. Godzilla only? Are you Ultraman? Are you all that? 
It's Godzilla, X-Men, Ghostbusters, Power Rangers, Super Sentai, video games, Nintendo, Funko, Marvel Legends, Hasbro, <laughs> Transformers. Do you have any of the old Earthworm Jim action figures from yeah. the 90s? <laughs> I don't know where they went. They were made by Playmates. I remember that. The same That's company right. made the Ninja That's Turtles right, toys. Josh. That's right. And I have the Earthworm Jim. I had Earthworm Jim on a Sega Genesis and Sega CD. On Sega CD? Wow. Uh-huh. Did it work? Yeah. <laughs> this is why I have him on the work? show. This is the only one. <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we bring the Geek Squad together and I bring in Josh, you know we've brought in the real Geek And I have squad. it uh, downloaded on Wii when it came on the eShop. Wow, that's mm. dedication yep. right there. <laughs> well, so for uh, for listeners out there who are tuning in to the show, we have Doug Tenable on the line right now. Real quick, um, your campaign is doing tremendously well. Uh, you just busted through, I think, the three hundred sixty thousand dollar mark. Um, it's it's three thirty five. Three thirty five. Okay, we're gonna hopefully get there beyond three sixty up to four hundred k. You have um, oh yeah, still a few a few more days left in the campaign, but that's really good to see. So we just saw that. Yeah, you were on with Steven Crowder, like, right before you came on the show? Uh, I was on, it was last night during the Democrat debate. Oh, my God. He ran a, <laughs> a, he ran a thing on me, and, and I, I think I raised, it was like 6 or 8K in one night. Wow. So they're, they're all ordering the Earthworm Gym book. So they're all excited. They started reaching out to me, and I've made friends with Quarter Black Garrett, one of the producers on the show, and they're going into a hiatus for a little bit. So they were trying to get me on the show before they took their break, but it's going to end up happening after they take their break. They're doing a little bit of a – they're moving into a new studio again. Well, that's very cool. Twitter yeah, coverage, those, those are great guys. All yeah. right. Let me just say that Shane Stacks is here now. Go ahead and talk, Shane. We'll let you talk. Go I'm ahead. Say, if, you, if you want some Twitter coverage that absolutely loved – uh, the the Democratic debates this week. You should you should check out Doug's Twitter feed because it was uh, <laughs> it was it was, a, it was a veritable love letter to the Democratic ideals and presentation uh, throughout the week. I can only imagine. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was I was upset that that last night the adult table no one just spontaneously broke out into speaking Spanish when no one asked. <laughs> now that was the first night. night. That was the fr- I love. Yeah, I know. I love that. I, I was upset. Can I not ask questions? To me, is an obvious one. If you were Hispanic and you were watching that, and Beto just started talking like he was in tongues or something, and he started. <laughs> He started talking in Spanish. Wouldn't you feel that you were being just kind of talked down to? Uh, I, I could hear the Hispanic collective eye rolls going across <laughs> America. It could have been a Tower of Babel moment where God str- scrambled their language right on the spot. So maybe it was a supernatural event. It may have been. I don't. I. I don't know. You oh. guys jump in, Mark. Come on, jump in here. All I can say is I am very glad that Andrew Yang didn't just start speaking Chinese. Oh, that would <laughs> be hilarious. He, 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 he said they were shutting off his microphone and he couldn't uh, actually reply. That's well, what he said anyway. Because he's the only one anything enticing what? to say. Like, hey, I will give you a thousand dollars for free because I don't have any other platform to run on. But hey, money. Who was yeah. it? To, who was yeah. the, Who was the person who made this the statement to speak Spanish? Press one. Somebody <laughs> did that. I heard it. I heard them say that. I thought well, that, well, well, they burst it out. 
<laughs> it, it would have been. I, I like Yang though. He was like the only non-lunatic sounding guy up there. <laughs> well, he's just up there for the kicks of it. I don't think he's like even serious. I think he's just up there for laughs. Yeah, he's just up there. I, so, Dave, what the line really was? It said to receive free stuff in Spanish. Press one. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. To receive free stuff in English. Press two. To receive free stuff in all oh, shucks. We're all friends here. Southern jive press three because that's what biden used to do he would go in and i was joking around with doug on twitter about this uh, several years ago i think it was when biden was running with obama they would go into these like um black churches or black hawk and they would start speaking this like southern jive thing yeah and i'm like how are, yeah. how are they not getting crucified and I have a this, but it worked uh, yeah that's the yeah, same word but hillary used to do that all the time yeah, maybe yeah. it was Hillary. I just remember it was like, how are they getting away with this? Because it is. As, it, it was is Hillary too. Hillary would do. I, I don't. I'm not from around. Yeah, here. that's right. I'm not yeah, from around here. Exact, yeah, I ain't from around here. But I tell y'all what. <laughs> yeah, she. I mean, I've got that somewhere in my archives of her doing that, and I, I would play that with canned laughter over and over and over yeah. again. I ain't from around here, but I tell y'all what, to get free stuff, you go ahead and just press four. <laughs> it, it, it's all about free stuff. And and, and let, listening to Bernie say that he was going to redefine democratic socialism. I had to laugh when I heard that. That was it's, yeah. been, it's been fun. Well, he's the only one who knows how to implement it properly. So That's yeah. right. Everybody else hasn't. That's yeah. why they've all ended up dead. I had I had the tiniest bit of respect for Bernie because he was the only true socialist up there that actually believed what he was saying. Like he had a conviction <laughs> about his his level of Karl Marx running through his veins. But then he, he got on a first class flight back home. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, the, well, I wonder what the carbon footprint on was was on that. But uh, you don't care. I'm actually, I'm going to start a Twitter account called Birdie Sanders, and I've got all these great Birdie and everything. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, did uh, I missed the the Doug calling in? I, I just wanted uh, when you first called in, Doug. Thanks for making the time, guys. I I did a show with Doug uh, two or three weeks ago, and he was amazing to talk to, and he was one of those guys that or one of those interviews that all this stuff came out. I was like, I had no clue. He does. He's done Hollywood. He's done projects with Ben Affleck. He got nominated for an Emmy enemy. And then, well, I guess in the TV show, it could be that now yeah. the enemy, the yeah. Emmys or the Emmy for um, veggie tales. Um, and and yeah. he's, he, he, he does, he's got, he hangs out with like Mike Nelson from, um, Mystery Science Theory 3000 and, and Rift Tracks. I mean, uh, uh, another doing another some... hardcore conservative Christian, Mike Nelson yeah. from Rift, from uh, Mystery Science Theater and Rift Tracks. I had him on yeah. my show when I was in at WCCO in Minneapolis, and I did not yep. know that. I wish I had known that when I had him. And I I had wow. Mystery Science Theater in, and they all came in with their puppets. Well, I just want to make the the factual statement that Mike is better than Joel as a host. I just want to put that out there. Oh wow. That's right. Mike. <laughs> Shots fired. I'm sorry, yeah. but <laughs> I like I like them both in their own way. They were both uh, unique. No, I like them both. Yeah, Mike I do was... I do like Mike. No, I like Rift Tracks. Oh, absolutely. It's that. better yeah. than that revival. Yeah. Well, yeah, the revival is bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, Rift Tracks. Yeah, you got to pick a lane. Stuff. You got to pick a lane. We can't do this middle of the road. I like them both. You're, you're oh, splitting the baby. You got to okay, pick. Okay, well, I tell you what. I tell you what. I have a dice here, so <laughs> oh, I, I will. I'm going to roll the dice. One through three is Mike Nelson, and four through six is Mike Nelson. Hold yeah. on. Uh, thank God you yeah. didn't say one uh, through twenty. One. It's it's Mike Nelson. Yeah. Well, of course he's Sorry. the best. What can I say? That <laughs> just that just makes sense. <laughs> And one other thing I want to throw out there, a lot of people might not know, I, I beat myself in the face with a shoe after I realized this, because while I was talking with Doug, I didn't realize he was involved with this thing called Sock Baby from uh, the mid-2000s, yeah. which was amazingly cool internet uh, video show before that was cool. You know what I mean? He it, It's this wild, whacked-out martial arts thing uh, uh, with, with, with like it all starts out, they just want to go get a burrito, and and then it just turns into a, a martial arts crazy action fest from there. So if you ever get a chance to check out Sock Baby, check it out. All right, yeah, look up Sock Baby on the internet. We have them; they're they're free, but they're like we had every budget was I think three hundred dollars per episode. It was so whatever we could find. We would do like hardcore Zen Wu Ping style kung fu, uh, <laughs> and really really practice that. And by the end, by episode four. We had uh, John Heater from Napoleon Dynamite was in an episode. Rob Schraub, who directed Sarah Silverman and created Scud, was in an episode. Uh, uh, Justin uh, Roiland, who created uh, Rick and Morty, did some animation for me in a voice. And Doug Jones from uh, The Deviant Shape of Water uh, was in an episode, played a villain. So we had some, some pretty good stars for being a $300 episode. That's pretty cool, to say the least. All right, we got to get a break in, you all. Go to your separate corners. We'll be back in just a second, and we'll hear, play, play some more music. Come on. Let me hear some more of that music. I want to hear it. All right, back in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I love that. I know, right? It gets you pumped. Do you think I should change my uh, lead-in song from uh, you know, Thunderstruck to this? Sure. <laughs> you know, to Godzilla? You know? How does that licensing work? you got to pay a fee to do that? I'll just get somebody else to do it. Oh, okay. And that's what I did with the, the, the thing from uh, Thunderstruck. I had another guy do that. Okay. But I do it because I, I understand that Doug is a huge Godzilla fan. He is on fire, as he said, for, uh, for Godzilla. I remember seeing the first. Now I'm going to give you my age, kind of here, Doug. I saw the first Godzilla sure. in the movie theater in 1955. My brother took me to the movies to see that movie, and it, it happened to be the one with uh, Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr in it. All right, because they didn't. Yeah, think Raymond that, Burr. He was. They got the American actor in there. Yeah, they had to do it because they didn't think anybody come to see uh, the original Godzilla just because it had a monster in it. And after I saw the original, I said, I wish they'd left Raymond Burr out of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, he doesn't belong. Yeah, you don't realize part. it as a kid, but when you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh, it's really obvious how. The wallpaper pattern changes Raymond when they, when they switch to him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to say, Dave, when you come back from break playing those old romantic classics, it reminds me. It reminds me why I love you so much. <laughs> yeah, Mike, I try to play those pieces of music that you you dated your first girlfriend on. You know what I'm saying? Those yeah. kinds of things. Oh yeah, yeah. Stuff those that was really important. Of, 
of the Godzilla. I'll tell you, with, with the Godzilla King of the Monsters, one of the things that I really liked about it, other than the fact that it was just an amazing kaiju smash fest, was they gave a lot of nods to the original Godzilla. You know, they, they oh, the whole movie was just again. reference after reference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they even had an oxygen destroyer missile, and I mean, they yep. had all this stuff. And that, I mean, the the '99 movie uh, and the the Gareth, I can't remember his name, the, the, the Godzilla movie. Yeah, that one didn't have any of that. But but this one went out of its way, you know, to show love to to the history and the fans. Um, and and I loved it. Like I, I've, I've admitted publicly many times, I embarrassed myself, my wife, Dave, and his wife because. <laughs> I it was like a WWE match for me. I was clapping and yelling and yeah, go Mothra! And I was like, I came yeah, out. And I, like, was, what yeah, I was, to me? I was howling. Uh, that yeah. that is a movie made for the fans, and I think it's why it might not have done so well at the box office. Supposedly, is because I think because it was actually made for Godzilla fans, and other people don't realize, like. They think they like Godzilla, but they've never actually watched a Godzilla movie. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, my my thought was that the Gareth Edwards one from 2014 was a Godzilla movie made for critics, and so critics loved it. Fans were a little iffy about it. Man, yeah, it was it was very subversive. (laughs) Godzilla doesn't show up until the one hour mark, that sort of thing. But this one was a Godzilla movie made for fans and not for critics. So the critics hated it, but the fans loved it. So it was like the inverse. Yeah, everybody I've talked to complaining about the. Go ahead. People complaining about the the human acting in it. I'm going, who ever watched a Godzilla movie for the human drama and acting? <laughs> Precisely. Like, That's you're, what you're I was saying. You're not a Godzilla fan. It's, it's got monsters smashing buildings, and they look, they've never looked better. They look fantastic. Well, it was the first time American cinema, or whatever you want to call it, has shown they know how to do a kaiju movie. And, and they... The uh, I mean, really do a kaiju movie. And in my opinion, they 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 owned, they handled Japan on how to do Ghidorah. I mean, I was amazed with how well they did Ghidorah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, Dave and I walking out of the movie theater caught some of the um, Christian allegory. Oh, I, there's then, a ton of it. Yeah, there's so much. And then um, and then I was talking with Doug online and he was like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, obviously Ghidorah is the false king, you know, who, who and, and then he got he got a mortal wound to his head. Well, so when he comes back, what's he going? And I'm like, mind blown. I, I need to I want to jump in yeah. here and ask Doug a question regarding that. So uh, I was on the show last week with Dave and we were discussing it. And Doug, since you've actually done work in Hollywood, um, I yeah. want to ask you, because in my opinion, the allegory is it's almost so um it's so distinct that anyone who's yeah. watching it with an open mind can be like i don't think this was accidental i think this was all done on purpose in your experience <laughs> in working in hollywood which tends to actually lean very heavily to the left one are you surprised that this type of uh, messaging could be subverted enough in a godzilla movie and two um how do you think it made it its way in there without uh someone basically editorializing it yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Tim. Um, so I know the director, Michael Doherty, um, is the guy. He did X-Men 2 and the, the best superhero Super movie ever. Superman. Oh, Michael, yeah, Do- Michael Doherty did like a Trick or Treat and Krampus. He did Trick yeah. or Treat. So when, when Disney, Disney, Hugh Jackman brought 
the rights to my book, Ghostopolis, into Disney. They, they bought it from me. And Michael Doherty was assigned to write the script. And so I got to meet him at his house and hang with him. He's a very nice guy. Uh, he is gay, <laughs> one, of, one of Brian Singer's guys. And, uh, but just the nicest guy, very kind to me, very open. And then when, when I got the script that he wrote, I didn't like it. And the studio wasn't on fire about it either. And so the project kind of got put to the side. But I, I kind of remember him having some kind of a religious past. So it wouldn't surprise me when he co-wrote the Godzilla script that that background or that worldview or that culture is one of the one of the directions he would go. Doug, le- Doug, let me jump. You- let me jump in. I got to take a break. We'll be right back. Sure. All right, back with you. If you just joined us, uh, Doug Tappanell is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You may know him as? Earthworm Jim's creator. Yes, and he was telling us a a story about the director of the latest Godzilla movie. And, Mark, you had a question. Well, I just, yeah, kind of. Um, You said that Michael Doherty, he's gay, but I was rather surprised to hear that because we were talking about the religious allegories and themes of the Godzilla King of the Monsters, which he directed, and they weren't condemning of Christianity. They're actually uh, very positive and more condemning of of evil and and of Satan. I'm just rather surprised to see that coming from a a homosexual director in in Hollywood to uh, to not um, use that as an opportunity to condemn religion, which seems to be very frequent from them. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, the attacks on Christianity from Hollywood are, uh, they're haphazard. So it's not 100% of them that are going to hate Christianity. It's just most of them. <laughs> Every once in a while. It's also sort of a vogue thing to do, right? I yeah. mean, it's, 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 there may even be people that aren't outright hostile, but it's the vogue thing to do. It's like the cool kids thing to do is to, is to take down religion, right? Yeah, yeah, but but I think I think when Doherty was searching for some kind of a Western worldview to put into this Godzilla movie, and put some morality into it and some heroism into it, it doesn't surprise me that uh, Christian imagery, Judeo-Christian imagery, would show up in the plot because that is the the combined uh, united culture that really most of our morality in films come from. So even the idea of judging Christianity, where they try to say it's terrible, when they do, a say, a Eastern mysticism plot, it just doesn't have as much uh, emotional resonance to the American audience. Mm -hmm. So Avatar is one of them, James Cameron's Avatar. I just don't think the emotions of Americans... Uh, came behind that story, say the way that they saw, you know, Indiana Jones or something, where they're they're really rabidly, fin- you know, happy about it and having fun with it. I think that's what the what the truth of the of the Christian story put brings to most American movies, and it's probably what holds up things even like Batman and Spider Man and Superman. Is I think they people can kind of glean that out of it, and it's, I don't think it's deliberately put in. It, it is only deliberately taken out if they think about it. Mm. But they will accidentally put it in. Maybe they might even think like evolution created the story or something, or they think that it's just natural. 
when really right. I think there's a the, – the, the, the author, capital A, has put that story in everyone's heart. And so it keeps – it doesn't surprise me that it keeps bubbling up yeah, even by non-Christians. It's the idea of archetypical coincidence, um, this notion that even irreligious people, they end up writing works of fiction with Christian motifs almost accidentally because, you know, like you said, capital A, the author of mm. life, tends to inscribe into people these kind of patterns of morality. I mean, a classic example is Richard Adams when he did Watership Down. There's no way you can read Watership Down without thinking that it's an allegory for Christianity. And in several interviews, he said that was not the goal. I was just telling stories to my daughters um, on the way to school. And that's just how the stories played out. It had nothing to do with um, me trying to interject things. So what you, you said is very profound. It's not so much that people are trying to put these motifs into stories to make a better story. It's almost more significant when they try to take them out because they're actually trying to yeah. interrupt the archetypical narrative. Yeah, another similarity with that happened, Tim, is uh, Dr. Seuss, when he made Horton, here's a who. <laughs> oh, yeah. Says, a, who is a, a who is a who, no matter how small. And he always said that is in no way an allegory for pro-life uh, arguments of the unborn. And, and, and you know, pro-lifers yeah, were using is. that all the time, saying a person's a person no matter how small. And he mm-hmm. can sit there and fight that all he wants, but when he tells a truth about yeah. what about how size has nothing to do with personhood, well, it's like um, he he made he a mistake, like it was an accident, movie. but it's it's true. Yeah, he he may not when, have intended you know, it, but he's when you when you call down a capital T truth, you're speaking our language. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's the oldest and truest story written by God upon, like you said, on everybody's heart. Bible God, says Godzilla's that, man. Interesting. Godzilla is interesting from the fact that there's a lot of stuff that you could argue either way. Like, for example, um, Godzilla basically had to die and rise again before he won. Right? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was uh, three days, too. <laughs> yeah, it's three yeah. days. But the stuff where it shows Ghidorah on the fiery mountain with a cross in front of it, I mean, that's just straight up, you know, and then they that's later just, say— yeah, I know. But Revelations, yeah, right? The beast with several yeah, heads. He's, yeah. he's the beast. Yeah, he's a false. Yeah. They say straight up he was a false king that came from outer space. So yeah, it's it really. Yeah, and, so and it has Tim both. said like in Revelation, the, the beast you know gets a mortal wound in his head and comes back. Also, Mothra looks very much. I mean, they treat him like a spirit. I mean, he almost is mm-hmm. like the overall Holy Spirit, and he. She's he angelic in the movie, yeah. And yeah, he well, yeah. One of the most shocking Godzilla. imagery is when they're on the. Um, is it an oil derrick that they've converted into a headquarters, and it's been dark for a long time, and then there's light comes through the clouds and breaks through, and you're like, "Ooh, hope is here!" And then boom, there's Mothra, and that that was such an amazing yeah. scene. Yeah. And every time a uh, burning Godzilla, when he did those pulses to burn Ghidorah, it showed Mothra's wings in red. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I just think I just think Doherty and, and and the writers of that thing were probably just following. You know, this is where I think the power of fairy tale, uh, which Chesterton and uh, and Tolkien talk about, is I think the power of fairy tale. When you start telling those stories and using that iconography, you're going to stumble into Christianity pretty quick. Yeah, T.S. Lewis writes he loved Christianity because he saw it as. He goes, oh, it's too bad this pagan story isn't true. And Tolkien said, well, it also happens to be true. But what, <laughs> what drew C.S. Lewis to it was that he saw it as like this kind of primitive 
fairy tale. And, and when I mean fairy tale, I don't mean a myth. I mean a, a true story that kind of that buries the, the truth so much under it that you can't mm-hmm. pick it back out, but it's still there. We would be um, remiss if we didn't have a, give you the opportunity to talk about uh, Earthworm Jim, especially yes. for all of our listeners yeah. out there here in the, which, in the Arkansas. Which could be sure. argued to be the strongest Christian allegory on the planet. <laughs> yeah. I'll let Doug expound on that. Yeah, so Doug, tell us a little bit more about it. Um, I can just give the, the, our listeners a bit of a lead. Uh, Doug Tenable, uh, you know him from Veggie Tales. You know him from Earthworm Jim. He has an Earthworm Jim comic. is coming back out. is coming back out in the way he also wants it done. Bill. Uh, yeah, and Bigfoot Bill as well. Uh, very successful Indiegogo campaign. Uh, has raised a lot of funds. It's very well-deserved. He's a legend in our field. Tell us a little bit more about um, Earthworm Jim, this new project that you have going on, um, and uh, just try to elucidate for our listeners out there uh, what we have going on. Sure. So Earthworm Jim is this you know, game of the year, world-class video game that we cr- I created the character, but the whole team actually made the game that made it game of the year back in 1994. And ended up leading, it opened up every door since then to work with, I work with Spielberg and they were, they were all Earthworm Jim fans. And, and I was just kind of this kind of dumb kid that just kind of banged this character out and it became this huge gaming legend. But I never had the rights to do a book. So I've been doing graphic novels for 20 years. And I've been doing graphic novels where, as a Christian, I tell my stories. They're for families. I, uh, and, and then I end up selling the movie rights into Hollywood. But I never got to tell the story of my most famous character. So this last year, I finally got the rights to Earthworm Jim from the rights owners who let me, basically let me license it. And I was, I'm able to tell the origin story of the character for the first time. And the kind of books that I make, they're not these floppy, thin comics that you usually see in a comic book store. Mine are like, uh, like European comics. They're like, they're hardcover albums. So like they're hardcover, uh, like coffee table books, nine inch by 12 inch. So they're huge. They're thick. These are 160 page books, full color, uh, uh, and I and I tell giant epic stories. This is the first book in a five book series, and I'm I'm a better trained artist and writer than I've ever been. So that I'm kind of thankful I didn't get to tell the story 20 years ago, because it would have been much thinner than what I'm making now. And so it's it's a action comedy uh, for the whole family. And video game fans and pop culture fans like you guys are going to love it. You're, I'm going to make you laugh. Will there be giant flying cows? There will be. A, it's called Launch the Cow is the subtitle. <laughs> and that's a, a throwback to the game. There's a big hit. And I, I basically explain all of the iconography. I'm, I'm able to find, finally tell kind of robust, like, why there's cows in the story who Earthworm Jim is, and there's also a, a, an accompanying making of book that talks about how we made the game. But the, the suit itself, we, you talked about a Christian allegory, and I didn't intend for this, but in hindsight, you know, Earthworm Jim, he's basically a mutated worm, right, that has a, a face, a cartoony face that drives this super suit. So it's inside the neck uh, opening of this super suit, and he drives it around. The suit is indestructible. It has the power. It's like the most powerful thing in the universe, and it's basically driven by this goofy idiot i mean i don't know about an idiot but it, it really is like a meek, kind of you know, inherit the world story you know he's a 
he's a, a, a lowly being. There's nothing lower than a worm. And he has the, all this power and all this evil is trying to, de- to destroy the earth and ends up being a, a defender and a, and a, and a hero for the, to save the earth. Well, I wanted to ask you a question. So back in the day in the 90s, I was a big fan of the Earthworm Jim cartoon series that aired on Kids WB. Sure. Um, and so that was my understanding of the Earthworm Jim story and the, uh, the mythology behind it. So I wanted to ask, how much of uh, the cartoon are you going to be incorporating into the uh, comic, if any? Um, a, a little bit, a few quotes. And that's only because I, I don't consider it canon. Mm. I was an exec producer on it, but I didn't write it. Um, I, I designed all the characters for the show. And so I'm, I'm pulling some details out of the show and using it in the book. But mostly I'm just creating a whole new kind of the canon that I saw when I was making the video game I'm putting in it. But there's oh, definitely cool. gags and sayings and quotes from the TV series in the book. So, so the way it works is, Mark, is that there's an earthy verse. And, and, and yeah. the cartoon is into the earthy verse. So it's entertaining, oh, God, but it's, it's not it's not Earthworm Jim Prime, um, and 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 uh, the, the the so the comic book the and and, and as Doug said, the, this isn't the comic book like you think of. A friend of mine uh, who turned me on to the fact that uh, that Doug was even doing the Earthworm Jim stuff, uh, named uh, Justin, brought me the the Bigfoot Bill. And this thing is yeah, like a coffee book table. Uh, I mean, he uh, Doug has these bound and created at, at the company that does all of the textbooks or like 90% of the textbooks for, yeah, um, and they're amazing. Uh, I mean, these things are, yeah. API slash Jostin. So Jostin does $2 billion worth of yearbooks every year for all of America. And they're out here in Clarksville, Tennessee. So it's made, printed in America. Uh, all my packing is done here in uh, Gatlin, in, uh, in in Tennessee. So it's a it is a beautiful hardbound book, like Smithsonian, with very high highest quality end sheets. You know the actual kind of the, the printed liner, and all of the binding is top quality. We have gold leaf. I do gold leaf stamps and embossing and debossing. So they're really this kind of over-the-top decorated work. Well, Tim uh, bought the Bigfoot Bill one from you, and he basically told me that it was the new standard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I know it's I've, really I've, amazing. I've praised it off air and I think on air on some shows, but uh, Doug, you really set the standard for independent creators. And um, I've had some friends who are like, well, we're going to do the same thing too. And I said, that is a lofty goal, but that is something that everyone needs <laughs> yeah. to aspire to. I know yeah. Mark and I, uh, we have... Uh, we overdid ourselves with uh, Walmart and our future projects, but I know that Mark and I, our 10-year goal is to produce a work that quality-wise, just just the quality, not necessarily the story, we want to really match what you have going on. So I think that what you're doing is wonderful. I think you're always innovating. Yeah, and, and you have to build up to it. This is a thing for indie, independent uh, creators. And we love, indie, I love Indiegogo, the company. That's the only place where I sell the book. I'm like totally loyal to them. And really making a statement to them, like, thank you for protecting my career. I've got a lot of people hitting my career because I oppose gay marriage and I don't do the transgender thing. And, you know, so so your career is going to get slashed. And so I really count on finding independent backers who believe in free, my freedom of speech to pursue my religion in public. That's what I'm looking for. And some of those are atheists. And some of those are leftists, by the way, in my audience. And I really got to call them out for for being for 
uh, protecting my liberty. Um, I'm looking for those people. If that's the thing that like for, for conservatives that want to protect their career, but be vocal Christians, you have to call your own audience. And so crowdfunding is a great way to do mm-hmm. that, to get people in directly. I, I engage with my audience. I love my backers. I'm loyal to them because they're paying all of my family's bills. But if you're going to do a campaign, you can't just start with a giant hardbound gold leaf uh, book. You will go broke or you'll lose money. You, you have to build up to it. So if your campaign is small, then you start small with smaller, thinner paperbacks. And so I build my campaigns up and, now the Earthworm Jim's up above 335,000. I can start getting obscene with it and throwing in trading cards and all these, and I have a cloth patch and all these goodies. And that's just to help create a broader entertainment experience for that audience to keep them loyal. It's to give them more goodies back. So as the book keeps growing, it just keeps getting better and better. But you can't start with a hardbound gold leaf edition. You have to start small. And that's what I tell to all these kind of indie kids coming up is i mean start really small and really thin and then build up to it as you get more experience and more backers all right let's take a break final break we'll come back we'll wrap up this hour here in just a moment on the dave ellswick show there are thousands of different combinations to claim your social security benefits if you don't get it exactly right can end up costing you tens of thousands of dollars Learn how you can wring every nickel out of your benefits at an educational social security workshop Tuesday, July the 9th at 6 p.m., hosted by David Lucas of The David Lucas Show. You hear it here, 1011, The Answer. The two-hour workshop helps make claiming your benefits simple and easy, and here's how you do it. Registration's 20 bucks. Includes a 40-page maximizing Social Security workbook. What you need to do, we've only got a few seats remaining. Mention my name, Dave Ellswick, uh, uh, sent you, and for the next five callers, they're going to waive that 20 bucks. So if you've saved up your money, call 501-653-6690 and let them tell you how to best take your Social Security. 501-653-6690. Yeah, stimulating in a family kind of way. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, anyway, Doug, my final question for you. You guys were had, you had this... Great discussion a moment ago. I just shut up and listened to you because it was great about, you know, as Christians, as believers, we all know that the Bible says that the truth is written on our hearts. God has already done that. It's there. Uh, With that, and people bring it out, not even realizing they're bringing it out. How about the people who take something that's Christian and they take the Christian truth out of it? Let me give you a good example. Wrinkle in time. Sure. It did terrible at sure. the box office because it didn't stand sure. to what it was. Sure. Uh, there, There is uh, people, if they just follow a good story, they will tend to put the stuff in. But if their heart uh, is deceptive, then they will try to take things out because they have uh, some politics to preach, some anti, anti-truth politics to preach. And so that happens far more often uh, as Hollywood and as leftists and, and now even as the middle, even in our churches, are being trained to be embarrassed of what the word says and the truth that we believe. And to those people, well, I, mostly I, I feel bad for them. I pity them because uh, 
you know, Jesus said, if you deny me on earth, I will deny you in heaven. Mm -hmm. So I'm not interested in any way of shaving details off the truth that saved me. Like, I, I owe him that loyalty. I, I, I never want to be caught in any way, even feeling any shame toward the truth that, that ransomed me. Like, I just owe him that. Remember that, that scene in uh, The Count of Monte Cristo is when uh, Jim Caviezel has the Jacopo guy on the beach, and, then, and he wins him in a knife fight, and he puts the knife on him, he spares his life, and Jacopo looks up at him, and he says, I will serve you forever. Like, that, that is me toward Jesus is when he saved me. I just said, I will, I will not tolerate any, any of this um, talk against you and all this stuff. And I have to still work in Hollywood, but I've, I've found a, mostly by the way, secular progressive bosses who still want to make money off me, off my ideas. <laughs> so I, I have to be excellent. I have to still be excellent. Right. God, God, God's not doing me any favors on the career thing because you still have to work hard and and I can't just fall back and say, hey, I'm a Christian. Everybody love my stuff. It's I, I work 10 times harder so that they can never complain about my craft. So they'll only complain about the philosophy in it. And, and I'm pretty I, – I studied fairy tale because it really is a subversive story. All stories pretty subversive. But it, it, it really welcomes the idea of artfully – making um, loose parables of the truth that we know. And I think that's that's one medium that story does well for all the filmmakers and comic artists all and right. TV people. Doug, need I, more Christians in entertainment. Got to jump in, brother. I got to go. I appreciate your time. Let's do it again. Tim, thank you. Thank you, Mark. And thank you, Josh. I'll see everybody on Monday. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.